Hi, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's special guest co-host is... Hi, hi, it's me, Nathan, again. Nathan's back. Yay. How are you doing, Nathan? I'm not too bad. How are you doing? I'm excited to talk about uh, the second part of season two of Mr. Robot. Um, I loved these episodes. I know I get excited talking about this show anyway, but these last six episodes were amazing. It was so much fun to watch. So I cannot wait to get stuck in. I would definitely say, my God, I, I was giving it a hard time in the first part, but I forgot how much it, it picks up a lot towards the end of the season. It, you remember why it was so good in season one. Yes, definitely. And there's a lot of there's a lot of references and pulling you back into season one, mm. which was oh anyway, I can't even wait. Let's just go Let's <laughs> talk about it. Right. So we left off on uh, episode six on the last episode of this podcast. So uh, we found out about how the name of the store, Mr. Robot, was actually named by Elliot when he was a child. That's kind of how we left things off. So episode seven um we start off with uh joanna she's walking uh with the baby in uh, in a pram just kind of walking in the streets of uh, new york and a woman turns up out of nowhere and pours paint all over her while she's out walking and uh yells capitalist pig so that was that was fun and then it was the start credits <laughs> um just a point on that i really hate when activists do that type of shit, like whatever mm. they're, whatever it is that they're for, whether it's like, you know, it's Peter or against fur or whatever. I just really hate when they just go and attack people like that. I know yeah. it's pain and it's not harm, like it's not painful, but I really, I just genuinely, re I, even if I believe in what it is that you believe in, you make me not want to believe it anymore because you're it, just so it awful. It distracts from the message, doesn't it? That's that's yeah. the biggest issue I have. It's like um, Extinction Rebellion, right? I agree with like what their cause is, like climate, like climate and everything. But there's there's some ridiculous things they do. Like weren't they like smashing the windows at a bank a few months back? I think so. Yeah, yeah I it's like what they were doing because they were getting on my nerves a little bit. Yeah, I agree with the message, like you. Yeah, it's just it's it's it just detracts from like the whole like the cause of the whole. It does, and I hate to I hate to put it like that because I know that people who try to discredit like good causes will tend to be like, oh, but why are you doing it like this? You mm. should do it like that, and I and that's why I try to avoid feeling that way. But when you're like attacking a woman like in this example attacking a woman who's walking with her baby like yeah capitalism is shit but you know what else is shit attacking a woman walking with her baby in the street like that you just didn't have to do that to get the point across so i don't know but anyway that's how we get to episode seven started um so elia is still in this unknown room so remember he'd been beaten by uh raised goons and there's all bruised and, and stuff. And he tells Mr. Robot that he saw Tyrell in the trunk and no longer wants to be in denial. So when he had that weird, was it episode five? When it had that like weird sitcom? Episode six, I think it was. Oh, was it the start of six? Yeah, yeah. sorry. And um, yeah, he had that weird sitcom thing. And, you know, um, Tyrell was in the trunk and he, he tried to escape and then ran into the scene, as you mentioned, and ran into the set. Um, yeah, so Elliot's like, look, he, he saw Tyrell in the trunk. He doesn't want to be in denial anymore. He wants to know what happened. Uh, Mr. Robot gives in and says that he'll enlighten him. 
So uh, Mr. Robot confirms that he shot Tyrell with the gun that Darlene hid in the popcorn machine. And, um, you know, apparently Tyrell had gone on a mad one about how he killed a woman and all this kind of stuff, which is what made Elliot shoot him. So that's what Mr. Robot tells Elliot in that moment. We then go to uh, back to Angela and Dom. So uh, if you remember, Angela was caught on the wrong floor in the FBI building. Dom is not letting go of wanting to know why Angela was on this restricted floor. And um, Angela manages to get out of it by using uh, making plans with that agent, Thomas, that super creepy guy that was hitting on her mm. uh, and uses him as the excuse for being there. Dom seems to, you know, see right through her. She knows this isn't something in the milk isn't clean here um and says that her story as in angela's story is fascinating to her of how she ended up at e-corp she says whatever this is it's not you and uh, and walks away in that moment angela uh, successfully hacks the fbi for f society so i think she broke into whatever she was trying to i still don't quite understand what she was trying to do but she she was planting something wasn't she they, they keep calling it a femme to sell but i i wasn't too sure exactly what that was yeah again i'm terrible at this type of stuff i just know that it was successful because mm. darlene was happy on the other end of the phone um, something just to quickly go on because you're mm. on about the uh opening with uh joanna get the bucket of paint it flashes back to them meeting scott knowles for the first time oh it does yes and something i noticed i don't know if it's relevant at all if it's just like an interesting thing or if it was just like a weird maybe just an accident in filming but price introduces them mm-hmm. but he sells he says tyrell's name wrong he calls him tyrell yeah he does i think yeah. that's on purpose yeah I, I i was wondering that as well if it was just like price being a dick or is it price just didn't care enough to learn his name properly i would 100 percent bet that it's price does not give a shit yeah like at all like that's just he doesn't seem like the type to give a shit i feel like he he seems like he will know everything that he needs to know about you if he's kind of mm. in that obsession mode does that make sense like if he's yeah. like, if you fascinate him he will actually take the time out of trying to be god and figure something out about you and try to understand you in that mode if if he's not fascinated by you i genuinely believe like he just doesn't he doesn't care he's not asked yeah you have to to be worth his time exactly you have to be worth his attention and his his moment in his brain where he actually gives Mm. a shit about any information about you like that's just the vibe i get from him so i think he was being a dick but not in the sense of he knew tyrell's name yeah (laughs) Just because he's a dick. like that's Just never learned how to pronounce it properly, basically. Exactly. Just never bothered to. Yeah, like it just wasn't important. And Tyrell was never important to him, which, interesting. Actually, because mm. I didn't even, I didn't even stick in my mind at all to write a note about it. But yeah. I don't know why I wrote it now. I just, I just, like, I was paying attention to it. And I was like, it, it didn't sound right when he said it in my head. I was like, no. Like it seemed like such a small thing that just didn't really come up afterwards. So I'm just like, is there something in that? You never know the show after. Honestly, you never know with the writing on this show. You're like, I'm sure that means something. <laughs> Wait, no, but does it? Because that's all I do when I watch this show, which is, I mm. mean, it's good. I enjoy it. So, um, all right. So speaking of Joanna, sort of, uh, her boy toy wants her to go to, I'm constantly calling him a boy toy because I can never remember his name. Uh, Derek. I don't know. 
What is it? Derek, I made a I made a point to write it down on this one because I remember not remembering it last time as well. <laughs> oh, okay, because it's just so insignificant to me that fine, yeah. not like Derek. Okay, so Derek wants Joanna to go to a party with him and gives her an ultimatum if she keeps refusing. So this, by the way, <laughs> was uh, was after one of their uh, sessions and he he basically choked her out during the session. So. I mean, if you like it, I love it for you. Great. Enjoy it. Um, but I'm glad that that popped into my head at the time I was watching it because I just remember writing choked her out <laughs> like next to <laughs> and it does. It is important because it does come up later, which um, hmm. we'll get to when we get there. But it was so cool that I didn't know that was coming. The thing that we're going to talk about later. And I've still made a point of writing that down. But anyway. So, yeah, Joanna and and uh, Derek are having a good good time. We are introduced to eCoin. So this is eCorp's um, cryptocurrency. I would get. I would say so. Yeah, be therefore yeah. they they kind yeah. of move towards that. Exactly, their version of Bitcoin. We don't know just how mm. insane it's going to get at this point, but we are introduced to the concept of eCoin and how it is something that eCorp have created. Um, I loved how they introduced it, by the way, because I like the way they introduce important but not important for that episode topics. They do it through the news, which I really like, because then it doesn't it doesn't need narration for us to understand, if that makes sense. Like they'll introduce a topic that we don't need to know right now, but we do mm. need to know for maybe a coming an upcoming season. Uh, upcoming yeah. episode. The wheels are always turning with it. Like there's all, it's always building up to like something else, like everything. They, they, a little bit of this season, there's been scenes that didn't really have a purpose. Yeah. But they're kind of finding their feet again with that, especially with that that little bit. Because I, I didn't think about that, how it just gets mentioned then, because obviously it comes up in a later episode as well. Mm-hmm. And I completely forgot it was shown on the news in that bit. Yeah, it was literally just a, a passing. Like, mm. when I say passing, it was just in the middle of another scene. And it was just literally a, a TV screen. They just went past it as the mm. news, the anchor was talking about equine and introduced the process, like the, the topic of it. And it, just as quickly as it came on, it was gone again. And we were talking about other stuff. So I love how they do that. I am, um, it's because it, this show, even though you can enjoy it, if you're not paying full attention, because there's mm. still stuff that's happening that will keep you invested in some way. I think it's, it's one of those, if you like a lot of detail, if you like to think a lot, then you can put your phone down and just watch this show and watch every bit. It, it definitely rewards like close attention yeah. but there's, there's enough that you can half watch it but like it definitely you benefit more from very close attention but you don't miss anything important if you're not exactly like you won't yeah what you said <laughs> <laughs> all right so um darlene apparently did know about uh cisco and angela knowing each other before and then how how that happened? Do you remember we were talking about that? Like it was weird. That, oh yeah, like we yeah. didn't really know why Angela didn't say anything. Angela didn't say anything, and it seemed like Darlene didn't know because she, when they looked at each other, when Cisco and Angela looked at each other in uh, the F Society hub, Darlene was like, "What's this then?" You know, I, I made a, that stuck in my head because I was like, "Why wouldn't she know?" But it does turn out that we find out here that she did know. She made a point of t- uh, telling Angela in this scene that she wasn't the target. You know, don't take it personally. 
Angela reveals that on some level she knew that Darlene was involved with F Society because of the mask. So it reminded her of something from their childhood. Um, and if you remember, we, we did see that in one of the flashbacks earlier on this season, that the mask was Darlene's idea. Darlene was trying to get Elliot to wear that mask and that's how the whole thing came about. Um, apparently that comes from a TV show from their childhood that, and that's kind of how Angela knew. Yeah, it was some horror film, wasn't it? Was it a film? I think. Oh, yeah, it was some horror film that they watched together. It's like it's like her kind of comfort thing. Ah, okay. So like when Elliot's, Elliot's kind of like having one of his episodes, he'll kind of like he kind of like we saw him at the end of the first season he has like one of his episodes in there and they were saying how they find him at a museum or something mm-hmm. i think with darlene's one the reason they were watching that film was because she was struggling at the time so it was like her comfort thing to do when she's struggling ah okay uh, yeah i missed that <laughs> um cool okay so ray so uh, ray gets elliot to finish sorting out the site Knowing that his life is in danger, Elliot stalls for time and asks to play one last game of chess with Ray. So during the game, we find out that Ray's wife was like Elliot, uh, good at computers, and that the site was initially her idea, but that she didn't intend for it to go the way that it did, because it's now, you know, obviously this horrible black market of terrible things. Um, Apparently they were making so much money and the lines between right and wrong basically just became blurred. This is according to what Ray was telling Elliot. So it turns out that Ray had actually himself never looked at the site until Elliot did. Ray's smarter than me. She was like you, real good with computers. That's what she did for a living. So when she had this idea to do a site, sounded good to me. I don't think she ever meant it to go where it went. She was wanting to make some extra scratch. But the thing grew so fast, it took on a life of its own. And the money, well, talking about the type of money that makes you question right and wrong. So, you know, we made a deal. Decided we let the market dictate what was sold on the site. And we wouldn't look. She was better at the denial than me. It aided me. All the things I imagined were going on. I feared the worst. But I still didn't look. Not until you came along. He expressed uh, remorse for beating up Elliot and whatever they did to that other guy with the rat tail. That was horrible. Um, Yeah, then they're coming up to the end of the game. Ray asked Elliot how much time he has and that they both knew exactly what Elliot was going to do when he let him back on that computer. 
Ray tells him to leave before the police arrive and warns, warns him to be careful as he walks out. I thought this scene was so beautiful. Mm. It was so simple and it was just executed so, so well. Like it was two people sat at a chessboard, right? It's not like a whole bunch of action was happening. You know, the direction was good, but it's not like, you know, out of this world. Like there was stuff kicking off everywhere. It was just the acting and the writing for me here was amazing. Mm. Ray was like, you could see like Craig Robinson did a great job here because you could, he he did a great job of conveying that kind of reminiscent look on his face as he's talking about his wife and how the site was built and you know what happened and da, da, da. and yeah they just did a lot of great face acting it was just great like <laughs> it was so good and then obviously at the end when um you know ray tells him to leave and whatever and as elliot's going he knocks over he knocks over the king on the uh, on the board it's it's honestly like I find that they com- comedic actors tend to be surprisingly good dramatic actors a lot of the time. Yes, like it, it's such a weird thing to see happen. Like like Jim Carrey's like quite good at it when he tones himself down a bit. Like Adam Sandler when he turns to it, he can do really well with that kind of thing. Like it always surprises me when I see it happen. Like to the point where it should probably stop surprising me at this point because it's like. Like, like that's the, I think that's the only dramatic role Craig Robinson's done as well. I don't remember oh, ever so seeing sure. him in anything serious. Mm. I think everything I've seen has always had at least a tinge of comedy. It's just so weird seeing like when you, when you see him as Doug Judy and then see him in, in this, and it's just so, <laughs> such a parallel change. It is very different, but that's really true. Like it should stop surprising us that comedic mm. actors can do drama so well. Like I mean, if you look at Adam Sandler in friggin' Uncut Gems, that's not a comedic actor. When you look no. at him, you know, yeah. um, yes, there are funny moments, but not, you know, he's not a comedic character and it's just, yeah, I love when, I love when I see funny actors and people who would normally just do very slapstick, anything very silly. Mm. And then they just do something so dramatic and do it so well. They like, executed that scene beautifully. Yeah. Like Jim Carrey and Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, like where he's just completely different from Jim Carrey as he normally is. Yeah. Yeah, great scene, really great scene. Mm. And we did see another, we got another shot of the news again. And uh, do you remember the charging ball balls that had been Mm. torn off earlier on in the season? They fell through the skylights of the house chamber in the Gabazor building. (laughs) Honestly, that made me laugh so much because all they did was pan to a TV and it was on C-SPAN, which I've actually watched. I know that I get I get a little bit too tied up in American politics sometimes because it's just so fascinating how weird those people are. But I mean, I know, you know, glass houses and that, like we're in Britain, but it's <laughs> just amazing to watch sometimes. So mm-hmm. C-SPAN, for anyone who doesn't know, C-SPAN is like literally like, you know how we have 24 hour news cycles, like how we'd have, if you turn on BBC News channel, it's just BBC News 24 seven. Or if you turn on parliament, it's literally just part of the, they don't, they're not in session that often, but you know what I mean? C-SPAN is their version of BBC parliament. So it's like, constantly just what's going on in you know the houses of congress and so 
it's boring it's very boring apart from the times when there's like you know some kind of senate hearing happening you know when all this stuff was kicking off with uh you know russia and all that kind of stuff with trump. trump's impeachment there yeah. yeah but even before the impeachment like yes the impeachment was very interesting but like even the stuff with james comey and like the actual director of the fbi who comes up a lot in this show by the way which was mm. so fun for me um but yeah like you know when you had all of those types of hearings it was just that that would make c-span interesting but other than that it is incredibly dull incredibly boring bunch of very old politicians nodding off basically and so knowing that and having seen the real c-span <laughs> i i watched this scene that random bit of this scene where the charging ball balls fell through the skyline <laughs> on c-span and just imagined what i would think if i was really watching c-span and it cracked <laughs> me up like i paused and just laughed it was great i really really enjoyed this again very simple very nonchalant little casual throw in of something that was just fab really enjoyed and, and it. some and something that does become that bit important later on as well yes because yeah. I'd forgotten about it, because obviously they have references to the incident in Washington. And it took me until episode 12 to realise that it was that happening. Because <laughs> oh, it got treated, because like in the show it gets treated as an act of terrorism. Yeah. And then like I kind of sat there for a while, I'm like, what are they talking about? And then I remember I was like, that? <laughs> no, no fucking like. way. <laughs> oh it was so great man i love that i love these little bits in the show that are just i feel like i don't know whether they're supposed to be but they're very much comedic relief for me mm. um but anyway so a man from the class action suit against e-corp tells angela who's gone to see him to help philip price okay here's the thing i remember but i don't remember because did, i didn't write it in my notes but he's trying to get them to settle right philip price wants angela to get them all to settle because it's ruining something yeah, it's. I can't remember exactly what it's ruining because obviously they're very vague about some stuff in the show. Yeah. Where you can tell that you're not really supposed to know anyway. Like you probably will never know what the thing they're referring to is. Like it's purposely vague. Like she gets, she, she is sent to get them to settle. Um, but like I, I don't think they reveal exactly why Price wants them to sell just yet. Because, it, yeah, I, I don't know if it's got something to do with a loan programme, um, which we'll obviously talk about later, but I don't know. I don't I can't remember what it was for and whether we are supposed to know, like you say. But anyway, so he's tasked Angela with getting the rest of the uh, the people involved in the class action suit to agree to this settlement. So Angela is, is talking to this one guy. I don't know if we ever find out his name, uh, but I did make a point to write in the notes that he looked at her and said, I don't know who this person is in front of me. And I remember thinking, hun, neither do we. Like, we don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. With, I don't I don't get it. Um, but yeah, she says something about she's managed to get like 60% of them to settle or something or whatever. <clears throat> Not important, but that was the bit that I took from it, which was, you know, him just being like, who the fuck is this right now? I don't understand. Because agree. Um, now, this next scene, I should have known they were setting us up. I should have known from this. If I didn't know before, I should have known from this. I was so mad at myself when I found out the little twist at the end, but we'll get there. So a uh, white supremacist group come over and its leader is talking to Leon. So at this point in my mind, I'm going, okay, Leon's not real because they're only talking to Leon and they're not acknowledging Elliot. Then the leader acknowledges Elliot by saying, you better talk to your boy. So I'm like, oh, well, Leon must be real 
because he's sitting right next to him and the guy turns his head away from Leon and addresses Elliot. But then it turns out that when he says, you better talk to your boy, he's talking about Ray since he has no access to the 800 Bitcoin that was in his account before. Then that made me think, well, then maybe Leon's not real because now they're talking about Ray and not Leon. So of course I'm really confused <laughs> and I'm really angry because I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Is Leon real or is he not? What's going on here? Later in the episode, um, when they actually corner and attack Elia, Leon stabs them all up and stabs one in particular in the butthole. Um, that was fun. <laughs> so at that point I was like, all right, well, Leon's definitely real because what? And then he says, um, Elliot will receive a letter on Tuesday and to make sure that he tells White Rose that he did good, that he did Elliot good when he sees her. What the fuck? I was (laughs) so confused, so very confused. I literally wrote in my notes what the actual fuck is going on. (laughs) It's it's just like that, like that just... That heart, arsehole stab is like the like the thing that always stuck out to me from that. Crazy. Because it's the guy like, was already down. He'd already stabbed yeah. him. The guy was down. And he made a point. But when you know later what you know, you're like, oh, of course. Not necessarily the stabbing in the butthole. Yeah. <laughs> but everything preceding that. Yeah. So, that I mean, so essentially that scene is like the reveal that Leon is with the Dark Army and on White Rose's side, and they are trying to protect Elliot, basically. They are protecting Elliot. But then he started thinking, why do they need, why does Elliot need protection? What is going on? And then we find out, and I literally wrote so many question marks after this, Elliot's actually in jail? (laughs) Um, The way they revealed it was amazing because... (laughs) He was talking to Krista. He was having one of the sessions with Krista. And Krista says, you realise you haven't been staying with your mother, right? And it just pans to around the room. And it all of a sudden becomes the visitor's lounge in a jail. Lounge is a bit extravagant of a word, but you know what I mean? <laughs> the visitor's <laughs> area in, in a jail so in uh, a jail or a prison. And um, it cuts to all the scenes that we have been seeing throughout season two involving Elliot, all of the scenes of him in the cafe, the scenes with him at the basketball court, they were a group as well, that church group that he's been voluntarily going to, turns out it was all jail. The cafe was the friggin' canteen or whatever they call it in prison. Um, The basketball court was the yard (laughs) and um, what was the other one? Uh, his mum's place was just his, like, his bedroom was just his cell basically. Yeah, it was just his cell, and his mum was actually just the prison guard. It wasn't his actual mum. Um, it was cool. It was so cool the way they did that. Mm. They just kept panning to everything that we thought we were seeing him do outside. He wasn't. He was in jail. And so, Elliot then says to us, he's obviously uh, speaking to us now in his mind. He promises that he's not going to lie to us anymore. And he says that he'd like us to trust each other again. That's how the episode ends. But as soon as the the credits came up, I was like, all this time I was concerning myself with whether Leon was real or not. Didn't even cross my mind that it was Ray who wasn't. (laughs) That's what I thought in this moment. I just want to be clear. 
Okay, so at this point you thought Ray was like... Point, I was like, what the fuck? I was thinking about Leon so much and debating on whether this character was real that I didn't realise that Ray was the one that was made up. Because in my mind, why would he be real? Hmm. So that was the end of episode seven. Thoughts, Nathan? So with this one, I think this is part of the problem I had with the series up to this point is that obviously season one spent a whole series for this reveal that really paid off but with this one it was like the twist was telegraphed i think very early on like you could if you if you go back now you'll obviously you'll pick up on a lot of stuff and you'll kind of think now oh this was obvious like from from like episode one with like only one person visiting him at a time he's got his routine and everything you know that something is definitely up yeah, so like absolutely. it's it felt like it took a long time to reveal a twist that people had figured out like within two episodes. So like I I definitely knew that like but obviously I I didn't really have a debate on whether Leon was real or not. I thought he was, but I I could definitely tell something was up with Elliot's routine because surely if he's just in New York, he's gonna bump into people he knows. He's gonna walk down the street, but instead he's seeing the same people. He's in the same routine every day. So you know something funny is going on. But when they do reveal it, they still manage to surprise you with it. I, okay, I knew something, sorry, I knew something was going on. Hmm. I did not know that that wasn't real about him being at his mum's place. I feel stupid. I should have known. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, I realised that that sounds dumb. But... I thought he was at his mom's place and that it's just that he wasn't, he was, I don't like, I I know New York isn't massive, but he could have just been in like a different borough or something. (laughs) (laughs) And and so not see, I genuinely thought he was at his mom's place. Like I thought that was real. It's what clued me onto the whole of not bumping the people thing is that he only had people visit him in his mom's house. Like, he never just met someone on the street or just hung out with them for a bit. They always met him in the same place. So, like, Gideon, Darlene, Angela, it was always that same room, wasn't it? God, yeah, you're right. And it like was, it's it's it one was... of those things, literally, if you go back and watch it now, like, I, I felt like oh. I didn't quite get it on the, fir- on the first go round. Like, I knew something was definitely up with it. Where, like, I was I was kind of just like, okay, it's gonna there's going to be a twist involving where he is. Because I just kind of expected there to be a, some sort of twist after the first season again, and it's just it, like you just kind of just what, like you, you still kind of get your mind blown by how it was obvious but not obvious at the same time. But that's kind of that's kind of what makes me mad at myself because <laughs> I I know that this show is very much don't believe what you're watching, do not believe what you're watching. None of like the perception is not real that there's gonna be twists and turns and, and I know that. I was so focused on whether Leon was real or not that I didn't pay attention to that stuff. I was so do you know what it was? So okay, so Mr. Robot not being real, I stupidly thought that they would just do that again. That there would just yeah. be another person, another character that's just a voice in his head. But obviously that's expected 
which again is why I feel stupid. <laughs> I just, I just didn't, I don't know, man, but I should have known. There were, there were definitely signs. You're right. There are so many now when you think about it, but I did not see that coming. I just didn't. But I guess, you know, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get over it. But um, all right, you ready to get into episode eight? Yes. So at the start of episode eight, we are taken back to see how Trenton and Mobley met. They uh, have an iPhone and uh, an iPhone versus Android debate in Hackerspeak. Now, I don't understand any of it, as you must well know if you've been listening to this now. Um, I just know that iPhones are better. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was team. Oh yeah, like that iPhones are for pussies remark. I like. I just honestly, I took that to heart. Like when Trey, when Trey said that, I was just like, no, hang about. Wait, one one more time. Say that again. I missed that. Oh, when was it Trenton or Mobley? I can't remember who had who had what. I think it was Mobley had uh, Mobley uh, was Android. the Android. Yeah. And when, when he said like I- iPhones are for pussies, I was like, yeah. hang about, step Dang. down, son. <laughs> But that's it. I, every every Android user that I've ever had a discussion about iPhones with is always like, oh, yeah, but it's just for the look. Like, Androids can do this. And it's just like, no, but Androids are shit. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Androids are shit. Honestly, it's it's the worst debates I ever have where I'm like, yeah, well, I don't like that phone. I'm like, okay, cool. It's not your phone. It's mine. Enjoy Enjoy your phone. I'm enjoying my phone. We don't need to right. argue about this. Leave me and my choices alone, okay? I like my iPhone. I prefer iPhones, okay? I just do. I've had both. I don't like Androids. I just don't. I never have, honestly. Except for, I mean, it's not really an Android, but except for like my first few phones when I was a kid, like Nokia's were the best phones I had. Not even going to lie. But after that, I don't actually ever want to use an Android ever again because they were horrible. See, so. I've- I've still got like my old Nokia 3220 in my flat somewhere. I found it at my mum's like a few months back. The one that had like the flashing lights on the side. Oh my God. I think I've got my 3330 somewhere with the, with the little aerial. Do you remember the, they came in blue and gray or gray and blue (laughs) and they had the little aerial. I've got it. No, did it have an aerial? I'm sure it did. I think it did. I had the one that was like uh, an MP3 player, like the one that was like, it was completely white and it had red, like rubber bits on the sides. Oh, and you like I remember. it up, like the MP3 one. Yeah. It was like my first phone I ever bought with my own money. That wasn't a Nokia though, was it? Was that, wasn't that a sound? No, it was um, 5220. Was it? Yeah. Wow. I had a Sony Ericsson for a while. That was my. I never had a, I never had a Sony phone. That was the only one. It was cool, yeah. but that was the only one I had. It's the issue with like experiences. I find that they release so many of them during the year. It's like by the time you've got one, six months later, your phone's outdated. I know, and they want to talk shit about iPhones. At least that's only one exactly. thing. <laughs> the only good, like the only good thing like Sony has is it has a good camera. Yes, but then you have to put up everything else that's in the phone first. Yeah. But yeah, so so Trenton and Mobley had this, you know, but they just did it in hackerspeak. It wasn't so much like us, what we're doing right now, where it's, you know, easy and simple to understand. No, it was a bunch of words that made no fucking sense. But anyway, so Darlene showed up to the cafe and we realised that they were both there, as in Trenton and Mobley, were both there to meet Elliot. Darlene reads the speech that Elliot prepared for them. And is it the same speech that we got at the beginning of season one? I think that's what it was. 
trying to think exactly what he said now. Um, she it was, was kind of that breakdown of like the powerful and da 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 da, and it sounded very much like literally season one, episode one. I didn't go back to check, but if so, that's very cool that he started us off with a speech that he uses to recruit F Society because it gives the impression that he was trying to recruit the audience as well. If that makes sense, like to be on his mm. side, which is cool. Never thought about that one actually, to be honest. <laughs> Were you googling it? No, I haven't. I didn't think to Google it actually. Oh, I thought that. I, I kind of, I kind of think what to type in. To be honest, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like it'd just be a run-on sentence. I think so. Anyway, so that was uh, that's how Mobley and Trenton met. So back to present day, F Society listens in on an FBI call because remember they have now hacked the FBI, and uh, they leak a recording of this call which uh, basically shows a lack of concern for people's data and that the FBI have been listening in or surveilling 3 million Americans, I believe. So, um, there was that. Oh, then Mobley, sorry, I'm struggling to read my notes. (laughs) Um, Mobley freaks out as he realises that they must be on the FBI's suspect Mm. list. It's because they state on the thing there's 16 suspects under surveillance, one deceased, and Mobley's whole thing is that Romero has to be that one deceased person. Yeah, and so that means that the rest of them are on this watch list. So um, F Society, you know, the members are arguing back and forth because Mobley is like, we need to go, we need to stop this, this is crazy, and Darlene and Cisco are just like, arguing with him whatever anyway as they're arguing susan general counsel for ecorp and the owner of the house walks in <laughs> uh so of course they tie her up uh, by her indoor pool and um trenton gets tasked with shutting her up and um she goes because she she's in the other room making a load of noise while f society trying to figure out what to do now because they've tied her up and they've basically taken her kidnapped her a little bit taken a hostage in her own home um so trenton then goes because she's tasked with shutting her up to calm down all this fucking yelling susan convinces her that she needs the bathroom she's not going to try anything trenton cuts her um what they're called zip ties on her hands off Mm. so that she can get up and start walking towards the bathroom susan tries to basically escape and knocks herself out on the wall <laughs> which i'm so sorry i don't think was supposed to be funny but was very funny to me like the way she just ran into and then bounced off that wall <laughs> and then trenton walking back into the room it's how there was like no struggle either it's literally just just go for it boom done <laughs> it's just honestly it was so silly because even like when trenton walked back into the room I think it was Darlene that said, told you to shut her up, not like, not knock her unconscious or something like that. Cause I didn't write that down. I just remember laughing a lot when I saw that. Um, again, I don't think it was supposed to be funny, funny to me. So um, anyway, she comes to Susan <laughs> after the bump on her head. Oh, why is that so funny? Okay. <clears throat> So she comes to and she is in the the pool room with just Darlene and Darlene relives the moment that she saw Susan on TV when Darlene herself was just four years old and how Susan slightly laughed when E Corp was cleared of wrongdoing in court. I saw you I was four. 
still remember. On the news, in the courtroom when they cleared E-Corp of all the bullshit they put my family through. And you were in the back, behind a sea of suits. And you laughed. It was so quick, no one even noticed. No one but me. Four-year-old little me. So, I'm happy I get to look you in the eye. I have taken down your company, taken over your home, and now I have you. Okay? So you got me. As she recalls this, Susan is like, you know, we can make a deal, we can do something, blah, blah, blah. And Darlene uh, tases her with a stun gun until she falls into the pool and drowns. Uh, Mobley does not buy that it was an accident later because, duh, of course it wasn't. Yeah, because there's like a lot of, it's another thing of like what they hint towards is there's a lot of emails they show you explicitly, Mm. leave it on screen enough to see stuff about living with a pacemaker. Yeah. She had a heart condition. She had all this kind of stuff. And Moby's like, "What's so in all of those things that we hacked?" Because they were they were they were basically hacking to try and get some dirt on her. Because that was going to be the way that they would convince her to not go to the police mm. or the FBI. You know, because she's seen their faces. Um, so they were going to try, you know, trying to hack and find details and stuff they could use to make her like blackmail her, and make her feel shitty, and you know, make her shut up. And one of those things would have definitely been that she has a heart condition and that's why Mobley's not letting it go and doesn't believe that it was an accident like Darlene tried to make it out to be. Um, that was some cold-hearted shit, though, from, mm. from Darlene. I kind of liked it, i got to be honest, because she's normally, like, very... Um, she's normally very cold-looking anyway, but she I've never seen her do anything. I don't. We've never seen her be that. No, we've never seen a kill. We've never seen a kill, exactly. And that was very, like, she thought about it, too. I think as well, because I I was thinking on this as I was um, watching it, because obviously they stayed in that house for a long time. Like The whole whole premise of them being there was that they'd made Susan think the house was on the funk, so she she left for a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. But they were there for a long enough time that surely at a certain point you move, you move on, like you have to leave there because she's going to come back any day now. And I wonder if Darlene, like Darlene was clearly part of the plan for part of the one behind the plan of getting into that house. Yes. Did she kind of have it planned from the start that she wanted to get Susan out of the way anyway? This was like a two birds, one stone thing. Honestly, the the hate that she looked at her with as she was talking about seeing her laugh on TV it's quite possible that she planned it from the beginning and that she wanted for something like this to happen. Um, yeah, that was some cold shit though. That was pretty cool though. Uh, so <clears throat> later in the episode, um, later in the episode, Mobley is taken in for questioning and Dom's boss is worried about the appearance of all of this because of the leak and how it's impacting the higher ups. Um, 
Dom's boss wants her to let him go, let Mobley go after him being there for 12 hours now in custody. Um, once released, he does message Trenton using Wicker. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know what is going on with my voice today. So um, have you ever used Wicker, Nathan? I haven't actually. I didn't. Well, I mean, I would assume it is real thing as they use a lot of kind of like real apps in this thing. It's but like I've not used it, but it's like deleting messages quickly kind of thing is it or yes so I, i've actually used i used wicker temporarily because i was so when i found out about it years ago um i was like oh this is very cool and i used it like for about a week <laughs> and i was like I don't, I don't do anything that requires this much secrecy but this was fun um but no it's really cool so uh the premise is that you so once you add somebody on wicker um you can so whenever you send them a message it's encrypted in the same way as like whatsapp and all these other apps are um mm. but when the person opens the message it erases itself after i think it's mm. like not it's, I, don't even, I think it's like 30 seconds or something like that it's very very quick so once the person has opened it read it it goes away forever so not only is it encrypted sending in terms of it can't be opened by anyone it's not meant to be opened by but it also means that literally no one else can see it it does not exist anymore once the person has read it which is very cool um terrifying but cool and so they're using wicker on on uh, on this show on this episode from this episode onwards because it does come up again so uh yeah so mobley is released messages trenton using wicker wipes his phone and then dumps it in a bike messenger's basket thingy um in that message, he asked that they meet where they first met, which was the cafe that we saw them in at the start of the episode. With Ron's coffee from the very first episode as well. Ron's coffee, yes. Oh my god! Wow. Because when it started, because I'd like kind of obviously I've forgotten like a lot of another general outline, like the episodes off the top of my head. But like obviously I forget like these flashback scenes. Mm. So when I saw it appear, I thought okay, we're going to have an actual flashback to when Elliot did that at the beginning. And, and then, like, you just see whether, like, Mobley just walks in and meets Trenton. But mm. I thought that was quite a nice kind of thing to keep in there as well. Very cool. I didn't even realise watching it. So, yeah, that's very cool. So, episode eight ends with uh, Darlene is... Uh, she wakes up and she's at Cisco's place and Cisco's in the shower Darlene snoops through his computer while he's in the shower and when he comes out he sees that she smashed his computer to bits and he turns around like what the fuck and she hits him with a baseball bat and that's how episode eight ends. <laughs> so. um, something as well, mm-hmm. um, obviously we have that weird Angela scene where she's doing karaoke at a bar and then goes home with some old guy oh, which was yeah. kind of gross. Uh, but the guy she was on a date with turned out to be FBI. Yeah. So yeah. that's how they've kind of been keeping an eye on her as well. We find that out. Was it nine or 10? No, out. if it's in this one. No, but we don't find out he's FBI until later when he's talking to Dom, do we? No, it's this one he's talking to Dom. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, my bad. Yeah, tell I'm over Angela. I write as little as possible in my notes about Angela. Uh, honestly, honestly, the same. Like, I literally, the only note I made about her talking to that guy was, Angela talks to Guy, it is gross. <laughs> it is gross. Um, also, made a point to note 
though I didn't actually note it down, but in my mind, made a point to note that uh, throughout episode eight, we didn't see anything else about Elliot. Hmm. They they do that a bit in this season, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Like, very split kind of narrative. Like, they kind of develop it, obviously developing the other characters more, but you kind of see things away from his point of view because we spend the whole last season just following him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a testament to what was going on in episode eight because I didn't realise that we hadn't seen Elliot. Mm. Which is mad because we just found out before this, and bearing in mind I was watching these pretty close together as well, but it's it makes it more mad because we just found out that he's in jail and I had, I had so many questions. And then I'm watching episode eight and wasn't even thinking about them. <laughs> I was just it, it was, focused on what was going on. It was such a weird thing to do. It's literally, I think it was the start of episode nine where like the first thing you see is Elliot. I'm like, yeah. oh shit, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I haven't seen him for an hour. What? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so episode nine, like you say, Elliot, we see Elliot and we realise that he's in jail because of that bastard Michael fucking Hansen. I hate that guy. <laughs> So season one, if you remember, guys, Michael Hansen is the guy that Krista, Elliot's therapist, started dating and Elliot hacked and found out that he's this terrible person that's also married and all sorts of things. His wife left him because of the uh, Ashley Madison. Is that right? Yeah. um, Well, he was he was in the Ashley Madison hacks. I think it was his Ashley Madison thing that got him found out in the end. I always want to say Ashley Simpson, and I realise that's not the same thing. So Ashley Madison. Um, anyway, yeah. So Michael Hansen put two and two together and knew that uh, Elliot was behind the shit that was going wrong in his life, at least partly, because of the dog that Elliot had stolen and then had taken mm. to the vet, and there was the microchip thing. Anyway, so if you remembered all of that, then you know that Michael Hansen is a prick, and. Um, he basically got the police onto Elliot because of all of that. And Elliot, for some reason, pleads guilty in court to hacking into Michael's bank accounts and social media and stealing his dog because it is uh, felonious, which basically means it's very serious for those of you that are not up to date with American criminal law. Um, he is sentenced to 18 months in county jail. So when we're in this damn prison right county jail whatever lone star is actually a prison guard and ray was the warden i'm just gonna stop there because there was more revelations (laughs) what (laughs) like huh I quite like that detail because it kind of it, it makes more when you kind of realize that he's he was in the prison thing it makes more sense why Ray has kind of no observation on him why he's getting away with most of what he was doing anyway in the first place and like why he even has a computer in the first place yeah no no I was confused yeah. I was incredibly <laughs> confused because the first thing I thought was holy shit Ray's, Ray's real Okay, so maybe the interactions weren't real. Then I was like, no, that doesn't make sense. Because if Ray's real, then the interactions would have been real. Okay, great, fine, cool. What? <laughs> like, so, okay, so he does have this site and he is this black market site. And what? So, huh? <laughs> like, the, 
Because the other thing I just realized as well is because obviously Ray kind of approaches Elliot like I've heard what you can do, and I've just realized he only knows this because of Elliot's like convictions. Yeah, he's convicted of among other things hacking. Yeah, no, I get see that I understand. Here's the thing that's really annoying the (laughs) crowd, right? Because so did he? So did he call? So he did call the police on Ray. So that stuff is real. It's just that Ray was the warden of the prison. Yeah. County jail. Yeah, and uh, Elliot actually alerted the authorities to the website because he was able to do the anonymous tip. So Ray did genuinely get arrested for genuinely having that site. It's just everything actually happened within the within confines the of the prison. Okay, which you know makes the um. So the room he was thrown in was probably like solitary confinement or something. It would, yeah, it would have been solitary, and then it makes the the them playing chess. As silly as it sounds because i'm literally just basing this off movies but whenever like <laughs> whenever prisoners get close to like wardens they always play chess have you noticed that or is it just me i'm trying to think of a prison media i've seen <laughs> that i could think of didn't they play chess in shawshank confession time i've never seen shawshank what you have never seen shawshank Oh, there's there's worse ones. I'm like, I've only ever seen the first Lord of the Rings either, and people hate me for that. That's all right then. Everyone hates me for that. I'm like, guys, please calm down. Well, I don't care about that at all. That was some of the longest shit of my life that I can never get back. (laughs) No, I don't care about that. Um, wow. I might have to edit this out. Don't get. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting cancelled for that. You are getting cancelled for that one. Um, it's fine. I mean, I once worked with somebody who had never seen The Godfather. And, you know, I was able to get over that. I have another confession to make. No. <laughs> Do not say that to me right now. If it's any consolation, I've seen Jurassic Park. I, what? <laughs> You've never seen The Godfather? What the fuck is going on? What is happening? F- and I was a film student as well. God, imagine how much you were I film- hate me. Oh, my God. Give your degree back. <laughs> give your degree back i just take it off the wall and just throw it out take the window it send it back to university <laughs> not deserve you cannot be a film student and never seen shawshank or the godfather i rebuke it i, I don't accept this information <laughs> maybe you I'm should just, edit this out actually i'm genuinely very stressed by this <laughs> i actually i don't know where to go from here wow <laughs> Wow, okay. I was half expecting the call just to hang up then. Honestly, debated it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so oh, I'm going to move on from that. Um, so, yeah, we found out Lone Star was the prison guard, Ray was the warden, and Leon was the plug, a fellow inmate and the plug. Of course, we know, obviously, sent by Dark Army to protect him. But, yes. Two quick things about the Leon scene. Okay. So obviously this is set in the beginning. So he starts to talk about how he's going to be starting Seinfeld soon, which is what he's talking about the first time we see Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, the notebook he mentions, I remember this quite late, actually. They genuinely made that notebook into an actual book you can get. No, really? So like it's a whole thing of like to tie in with the ser- like this series of it. It's like you can actually, it's called Red Wheelbarrow. It's like it's Elliot's journal googling it right now um and the other thing was i don't know if this bothers you because obviously you know about um the pyro girl 
whatever her name yes. was. I think it was like Carla or something. Mm-hmm. Did it bother you how they addressed her at the end? How did they address her? Because I can't remember. That she that obviously like it's it's a men it's a men's prison, so there's not gonna be a woman there. Yeah. So she's trans, but they literally call her a she male. Like I think Leon literally calls her that. Oh really? I mean, yeah. To be honest though, prison happens it, it, with with the character. With the character, it makes sense to yeah. kind of like the character makes sense to address it that way. It's just it, it, one of those things that like I I heard it. And I'm like, I don't know. It just it felt a bit off to me, especially with like the portrayal of like White Rose. But obviously, it's one of those things where you forget this inflection of the character as well. Um, I am absolutely listening. I'm just found the book. <laughs> yeah, I, d- I don't know how um, how much it like ties in properly because I've never read it. Like I've I've I kind of I've heard about it, kind of, um, yeah. but like it and it's literally all the pages in it are burnt as well. If you go through like yeah. a quick scan of it, yeah, they're burnt. Pa- oh my god, this is so cool! I, like handwritten in pencil and and shit, like. It's actually it's available to buy on Amazon. I'm buying it. <laughs> yes. Do like a supplementary episode of just a review of this book. That is so cool. Yes, we have to do that. Oh my god, I'm getting it. Oh, and it'll live tomorrow. Right, it'll live tomorrow as well. Yeah, <laughs> right. This is very cool. See, it's just a, it's just like literally. I put a note going worth mentioning to Linda that you can actually get the gen- journals of books. So I'm very glad I loaded that down. I'm now. so glad you did because literally add to cart. Um, I'm probably going to edit this out, but <laughs> I'm literally finding it right now. Um, I'm trying to do it through Smile. So that I can do a donation. Oh, is that the charity donation one? Yeah, but it's not letting me, and it's really upsetting now. Um, save co- bloody cookies. Honestly, I hate all this cookie shit. <laughs> one of these days, I'm going to stop giving Jeff Bezos my money. Until then, I've just ordered this book for tomorrow. <laughs> it will literally be here tomorrow. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, thank you for that. No worries. Appreciate it. I will enjoy getting that tomorrow. So, anyway, Elliot gets released early from the county jail. So, is it because of the hack that Angela helped with? Um, no, so that's like a side effect from the 5-9 hack. So, like, the hack Angela helped with was for them to get surveillance on the FBI. The five That's... nine hack is the one, the big one they did at the end of the season where they yeah. basically fucked up the economy. Yeah. Um, and he gets released because the economy is hasn't got enough money for prison budget. So all the people who were like, ah, they probably won't be a problem get an oh, early release. Yeah. So okay. because Elliot's a non-violent offender, yeah, because because of how his crime was just hacking, mm-hmm. um, they give him an early release. Yeah, because he gets out after only 86 days, even though he was sentenced mm. to 18 months. Okay, all of that makes a lot of sense. Thank you so much. Um, right, then we cut to probably one of my favourite scenes because it's so simple and um, also very graphic and awesome. So 
White Rose is at the gravesite of the former CEO of E Corp, who we find out she had killed because he had threatened to kill one of her projects back in the day, in 1995 to be exact. She says that she's feeling inclined to do the same thing now as she pees on his headstone. <laughs> Honestly, she's just so she's she's ruthless. Like I, I love every scene with her. I love White Rose. Like I that character, top three character of all time of any show I've watched. Ever. And I mean, we've had like barely maybe 10 minutes to half an hour screen time from her as well if that and it's just it's just such a nice delving of mystery about her god she's fun i mean just an incredible character oh i love her i love her so much especially because of seeing her as zhang like we've seen more of zhang than we have of white rose Mm -hmm. but like you kind of you kind of forget that they they are the same person in a way they're not they're just not like they're they're so first of all B.D. Wong is a fucking legend. Like, if you didn't think so before, watching this alone is enough to, to make you a believer. But though Mr. Jung and White Rose are two incredibly different characters, like, I can't even see them as the same person because they're just not. Like, White Rose is just, oh, my God. I'm obsessed, if you can't tell. Obsessed. So, um... Cisco survived the back to the face. <laughs> and, uh, Mr. Robot is encroaching on Elliot's action plans again. We had a fantastic uh, action plans, actions again. We fa- we had a great scene with Elliot was still in the bathroom and um, what's her face? Starlene and Cisco were in the other room arguing back and forth about, you know, the fact that she just hit him with a baseball bat in the face. And um, Mr. Robot says, oh, well, you two calm down or some kind of shit and tries to get them together, which is obviously impossible because Mr. Robot and Elliot are the same person. So Elliot being in the bathroom shows that he is back to kind of being in observer mode again. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Robot's taking over. He opens the bathroom door. Mr. Robot's kind of turning around, looking at him like, what the fuck? In the middle of a sentence that he was saying to uh, Darlene and Cisco. And then all of a sudden, Elliot is in his place and is now in front of Darlene and Cisco. And Darlene's like, hey, snap out of it. Finish your sentence, basically. But that was really cool how they did that. Mm. And it's, it, it starts that premise of, okay, who's in control again? Because so far we've seen everything with Elliot. Yeah. Who's in control, really? Especially because literally just as they, well, I want to say bested Ray, mm-hmm. not beat him like he, well, I suppose he was a villain, wasn't he? for like that kind of story arc of it. But like after the whole Ray incident, when he leaves, he mentions about how him and Mr. Robot feel like partners again. Yes. So it's like, it's it's kind of like Mr. Robot waited until there was a vulnerability in Elliot to then take back over. Yes, he he absolutely did strike. Um, and it's a great, it, it gets you, it gets you, gets you mentally prepared for what's coming the fact that he did that um because episode 12 my god um so mr jung and philip price meet so we were saying that you know mr jung and and white rose are two very different characters both incredibly powerful but to me just very different um philip says to mr jung that he needs the government bailout money that he's no longer getting because of the fbi shooting in china 
So because of everything that's been going on, the US government is like, no, we're not, we're not, we can't give this money to, um, to E-Corp. We just don't have it basically. And the, he, Philip Price is trying to get Mr. Jung to get the Chinese government to provide that bailout money to E-Corp to save Mr. Jung's plant from the clutches of the government. Philip suggests a bailout from the Chinese government instead. And it was basically this big dick contest between these two incredible, um, incredibly powerful men. A point on this, is it just me that missed it? Or do we not really understand what Mr. Jung's plant is all about? I think that's, um, I, th- I think it's something that kind of like they, it's again, one of those things where it's not really super important exactly what it is just, just now. It's, 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 so it's, it's, I quite like that in some shows where, though, where they keep a detail vague because it's not really that important. Like in the grand, in the grand scheme of things at the moment, what it does isn't important. I can't remember what it is. Okay. I'm pretty sure they might say it. Well, they probably will reveal it later on, but like I do not remember for the life of me what it was. I, I'm sure I'm sure there will be more information on it later. Um, certainly, you know, season three and beyond. But I did I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just me that because we know that Mr. Jung has plans, obviously. And but the I, I feel like this was firstly the first mention of the word plant. Um, a plant that he's trying to create or whatever. I think it might be Washington Township. Like from the sound of it, Washington Township is a nuclear it's a nuclear plant of some kind. I believe. Oh. So I think is he's kind of got some sort of investment in this. But it oh, goes I think it goes maybe slightly beyond money. I'm not too sure. It feels like there's more to it than it seems. Oh, that makes the later white rose scene make so much more sense. Oh my god! Right, we'll get to that in a bit. Oh my god, that's just cleared up so much in my head. That's where um, that's why Angela and Angela's mother and their dad die because of radiation from Washington Township giving them cancer. I didn't. I didn't even realize that that was a, that was a nuclear plant. Obviously. Ugh. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. That's cleared up some stuff in my head. We'll get there. We'll get there, listeners. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Back to this episode. So Elliot uh, hacks Shun, who is um, somebody who works for White Rose. Uh, they later meet Elliot and Shun and Cisco, and um, Elliot tells Shun that he wants White Rose to tell him the second part of the plan. <sighs> Fucking Elliot. Um, at this point, we're like, all right, well, clearly the Dark Army is the one in charge of the next part of the plan because you know. Elliot doesn't know what's going on. So we cut away to Angela who goes to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission for some reason. And then she backs out because she has a feeling that something was off. Why Why did she go there? I don't remember. She had files, um, didn't she? Why was she sharing it with them? Uh, I'm not, I think, was she not going to see a lawyer? No, 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 that was later. Yeah. She went into that, um, it looked like a friggin' underground bunker where she was going. And they, kept, you know, because they've been having the the brownouts, mm. they've been having the electricity go out on and off, right? And she was at the um, Nuclear Regulatory Commission. You remember she went in to... Um, oh, uh, is that when she went and like the, as she's leaving, the woman was like, oh yeah, you work for E-Corp, don't you? Yeah, before she left, that's what gave her the like, you know, skeeved her out a bit because she said, you work for E-Corp, mm. don't you? And she said, I don't, I didn't say that. 
And then she's like, oh, come into this room. My colleagues are really looking forward to meeting you. And she looks at the door in the hallway and it looks all weird. And she goes, you know what, actually, I need to go. And she turns around and leaves. That's at the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. She had files that she was going to share with them that she stole. Um, do you remember when Darlene got the receptionist to leave? Yeah. And she goes up and the guy comes in and doesn't even fucking tell the difference between Angela and the receptionist. They're both blonde. They're both women. So he's like, oh, yeah, just give Rick a note or whoever. Um yeah, she took files from there and that's what she was giving to them. I don't know why though, because I don't even know what that had to do with anything. I think it was because um, obviously she has. Well, I can't remember if this happened in the episode when she was part of the um, the risk management team, wasn't she? Where she sits yeah. in on a meeting and says, mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe if you guys give me all this evidence. So I think she's what she's done is she's trying to kind of pursue it a different way um like the justice for the washington township thing so she's gone to these people with evidence that it isn't regulated but i think part of it might be that she thinks they might be in e-corp's pocket because they go oh you work for e-corp don't you it's like how do you know that oh my god that makes so much sense now it could just be her being paranoid though that's the main thing as well it could be, but it makes sense why she'd be there now. Okay, mm, there's so like a sense of paranoia in the whole thing, but like obviously she's got the lawsuit settled. Mm-hmm. But I think she's pursuing it a different way. Like I'm not, I'm not too sure. I think she's just trying to like privately leak no, information she or something. She is absolutely doing that, and you are absolutely right about the Washington Township being uh, t- something to do with Mr. Jung's plant. Um, those two things are very much the case because that's cleared up the scene coming up that we're going to talk about. Um, but we'll get there because <laughs> that, that's absolutely what it is because it now makes a lot of sense, but we'll get there, we'll get there. So um, just to wrap this episode up, uh, Elliot is short-circuiting. He just keeps having these moments where he's cutting out and it's mm. very cool. Really well done as well. Like The one on the train is great where he literally, he kind of has a moment where he comes into focus and mm-hmm. then looks through the like the window and he just sees Mr. Robot talking to Cisco and it's like, no, hang on, that's not right. And he's like banging on the door and it's all mm. soundproof and shit, trying to get their attention. Yeah, he's definitely in observer mode right now. Um well he cuts in and out. Yeah. Uh Dom basically barges into Angela's apartment and tells her about a dream that she had of being um choked underwater by some woman. Uh, Dom knows about the CD at All Safe and has known for about two months and has been having Angela followed. Dun, dun, dun. Episode nine ends up with uh, Darlene hearing. So remember, they hatch Shun, who works for White Rose, and that's how they arrange the meeting and everything. But um, they're still listening in on this hack that they have. And Darlene hears on that Shun hack that stage two is actually Elliot's plan. It doesn't make sense that Elliot is trying to find out what it is from White Rose. And that is how episode nine ends. So what we have learned is that this is bloody Elliot's plan. Stage two is Elliot's plan. And this whole time we're thinking the Dark Army was taking it from here, as was Darlene, as was the rest of our society. And now we find out actually it's uh, it's Elliot's plan. He just doesn't fucking remember. And he's now in observer mode on and off. What were your thoughts on the episode, Nathan? Um, This is obviously where it starts up a, like a lot more and like, i i really enjoy this one especially all the kind of like scenes of elliot kind of switching personas mm-hmm. 
like there's that scene where he's on the sofa and like I think it's um, Darlene like sent Cisco to find the tape of them recording an F Society video they left at Susan's house but it's one where she takes off the mask during the recording yeah Mm -hmm. so so they need obviously need to find that quickly and they're, they're just sat on the sofa talking and she mentioned about how he's looking quite burnt out he's quite tired and he he's just like I'll be fine. I'll be fine. But like in the conversation, he's switching between it being Mr. Robot sat there and Elliot sat there. The bit on the train, like it's they're they're doing they're doing good work with kind of portraying this split personality idea. Yeah, like it's it's like they're fighting for control, but they aren't fighting at the same time. There's no argument happening between them. It's like he's on autopilot, basically. Well, it's very different to. Uh, I'm so sorry if you can hear the rumbling of uh, there's another plane. <laughs> it's very different to. So, for example, you know, in uh, season one, when Elliot and Mr. Robot are fighting in the calf, but obviously it's just mm. Elliot fighting himself. It's very different to those types of scenes where it's chaotic and it's combative. It's more so. Wait, what was happening? And even Mr. Robot at one point says to Elliot, no, Elliot, we re- why are we so hot? We really don't feel good. Like that concern is new. Does that make sense? Like that concern mm. when Mr. Robot is clearly taking over, why is he showing concern for Elliot? Yeah, it's, I don't know if it's maybe like a false sense of security kind of thing. Cause it's, it's, cause he's still kind of leading the way on a lot of stuff. It's a very. I have a feeling and I don't know if it's just me, but I have a feeling like Mr. Robot doesn't want to take over. He he what he wants is for Elliot to just do like do the right thing. Go through with the hmm. plan. This is what needs to happen. You know this is what needs to happen. So just do it. But because of how Elliot is, because of how nervy and and um overly self-aware and just cautious to a point where Mr. Robot is uncomfortable and knows that he might not necessarily see things through that need to be done for the greater good. He's almost like he feels bad now and that he's kind of remorseful about having to take over. Mm. Especially because like in the end of it, it is, it is Elliot's plan. Like it is fully just Elliot's plan, but he he needs Mr. Robot to be that catalyst to perform the plan to perform it right and and i felt i've felt this because before when mr robot was taking over um he was just doing it in a very forceful way like oh elliot just sit down i've got this kind of thing whereas now it's it, it feels remorseful and i and I, it feels that way to me ever since well he was now in we realize now that he was in solitary confinement but when he was in that room after being beaten up by Ray's guys and remember he hugged mr robot and said thank you for like you know mm. giving him all these delusions and shit to get him through the painful shit and it feels like ever since that moment it's almost as if mr robot knows what needs doing and he knows that he needs to take over for elliot because elliot won't do it but now he's not as comfortable doing it now he feels bad i don't know if i'm just reading too much into it but that's kind of the vibe i got when he kept saying we don't really don't feel well something's not right we don't feel well he wouldn't say that before he would just take over you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He- I, I yeah, I fully get what you mean. Yeah, it's not it's not an angle I looked at it from. 
I think it's more a case of he's been trying to get Elliot back on side yeah. a little bit, like be more sympathetic towards him. Like I think it comes because like Mr. Robot is kind of the amalgamation of the things that Elliot doesn't want to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, so I don't. I think he does kind of have Elliot's best interests at heart, but at the same time, he also doesn't. He's not emotionally invested. If that makes sense. That's fair. That's a fair way to look at it too. Like he'll kind of he'll if he needs to get somewhere, he will kind of over like go over anything that might do Elliot any harm to get the plan finished. He's very much greater good, and we see that. Um, we get more examples of that at the end of, of this season as well. But um, yeah, so that was episode nine. So episode 10 kicks off with um, Philip Price. So he kicks off the episode with a speech about wanting to be the most powerful man in the room. What are you doing for? I mean, all of it. Honestly? Yeah. In my life, as I was making my way, I always asked the question, am I the most powerful person in the room? And the answer needed to be yes. To this day, I still ask that question. And the answer is still yes. In every room in the entire world, the answer is yes, with the exception of one or two, and that drives me. I intend to leave a legacy, the standard of which was set by God when he created the earth and man after his own image. Anything less is not worth mentioning. Um, massive God complex on this guy. And um... it's a weird one as well, because it's one of the most powerful man in the room, bar a few people, so that then you still have a goal to achieve. Mm-hmm. The way he frames it. Like I, 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 I don't want to say like it because it is quite a psych. It's like a sociopathic way of looking at things, but like it's, I, I, you can see that a lot in the way he acts. Is like he's always trying to like amass something more for him. There's always someone he needs to get over on top of. Yeah, it is incredibly sociopathic um, and terrifying, but pretty cool too like the way he, mm. like you say like the way he says it bar one or two people mm. so that there's always a goal there's always something that he needs to attain which is a very cool way of looking at life right you want to achieve all the shit you want to achieve but also you still want stuff to strive for which is the cool part that i took from that everything else was terrifying mm. <laughs> but that was that was um that speech was was a great way to kick the episode off i think it was very cool Definitely, and yeah. it was. I was about to say it's nice to see Terry Colby make an appearance, but it's really nice. Just so such a skeevy man as well. He kind of appeared less skeevy when he's 
next to Philip Price. Yeah, it's true. It's it's <laughs> he's not as scary or like not intimidating, but let's just stick with Skeevy. But he's not as skeevy as like when he's with Angela or mm. other characters. With Philip Price, he looks like just a freaking admin boy. Like he doesn't look like anything you know, of, of importance or anyone that has power in any kind of way. Hmm. Like, like he's a, he's next to him. Man, he's only even he's not even meeting with Terry to like have a chat with like just catch up with terry it's it's to get his own gain as well yeah because he needs terry to like talk to someone to try and help because he's trying to help um zhang whilst getting his own way at the same time he's mm-hmm. like trying to help china annex the congo not quite sure what that means i don't know if you know what annexing it means <laughs> um so from my understanding of uh when a country like china annexes a country like the congo it's effectively colonization with a fancy name uh, okay it's modern day colonization um it is basically leveraging a country from my understanding in some way so it would be um you know so it's 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 taking a territory let's put it that way if you annex right. something, you're taking it you're you're making it yours your it's colonization it's taking a territory it's um if you've ever played the game risk and you're taking on other people's territories that's kind yeah. of annexing those areas that's what that means um so yeah helping helping china to annex the congo is effectively in some way whatever power is that the chinese want to have whether it's something to do with food or minerals or something in the congo it's to have financial and territorial control over the congo as you can in modern days yeah okay yeah i understand that now um yeah so where are we? I've lost my notes. Um, okay, so Joanna and Elliot meet and he feels like she can see right through him. Joanna says that she knows Tyrell is alive because he always does what's necessary and then gives her a gift. She wants Elliot to hack the phone that she got uh, as a gift to track where Tyrell is from the calls that he think- she thinks he's been making to her. That scene was pretty cool. Um, Joanna is incredibly alluring, even when she's not trying to be. <laughs> she's just very like intense and a lot to watch. But I, I really you, like that character. Do you partially think though she keeps up this kind of, or I don't want, don't want to say facade because she is like an attractive person. But do you think she constantly feels like she has to appear appear outwardly this way? Honestly, I think it's just there are some people that are just like that. I've met, I mean, I'm not going to say like exactly like her because, you know, the whole murderous thing, but I've met people who are just like that. Like it's mm. just an alluring thing. They're not even trying. Like that's mm. just how every little thing they do, it feels calculated in some way to try and get something. And it it can be, but it's not a purposeful thing for some people, I think. For some people, it happens subconsciously. And I just think that this character, if she were a real person, I think that would be very natural to her, the way that she behaves. It's just, it's the, it's obviously, with being like her being with Tyrone through this conversation as well, mm-hmm. you kind of realise that she does have like a history of manipulation to some degree. 
Yes. It's like with um with that Derek guy that she's like dating at the same time. Oh she's my God. this she's definitely up to something there. Oh my god. Like she doesn't want to commit to him, but she eventually re- relents on that because I think she needs some sort of leverage from him. She is the scenes with Derek, like especially towards the end of the season, my God, masterful. Absolutely masterful. She's fantastic at manipulation. Um, again, fast becoming one of my favourite characters on the show because she's just, she's great. I also quite like that bit during the conversation where like Elliot and Mr. Robot talking about how they feel like she can hear them and see them both. Yes. And Mr. Robot kind of like does his little background thing of walking off and Joanna just tells him he's going nowhere. Mm. And both of them just Elliot away. hasn't moved. Yeah. Oh, it's, perfect. It's, because it, it's one of the things I always find a little bit confusing with what Mr. Robot scenes is. Obviously, we've seen in the first season that that fight in the restaurant, that's Elliot fighting himself. Mm-hmm. So, it, like, when aren't they talking to each other out loud? And when are they? When aren't they interacting? And when are they? Because obviously, for her to say that, Elliot must have gone to walk out of the room. So at that point, he was more Mr. Robot than Elliot. Because she wouldn't obviously wouldn't see Mr. Robot at that point to tell him not to leave. Um, either that or his eyes could have sort of darted towards mm-hmm. the door. So rather than him physically yeah. going the way Mr. Robot did, his eyes could have kind of darted towards the door and then she that made her say, You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Or it could just be one of those things that like it's it's if the plot depends on it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it, no, it's, it's one of those scenes that raises that question in my head where I'm like, what is happening when both of them are on screen together? I believe that the only time he's actually moving in the same way that Mr. Robot is moving is when he tries to put his hands on Mr. Robot. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, the feeling I got until we started seeing him short circuit and everything last episode and he's in one place when mr robot's in another place having a conversation where he should be until this observer stuff i always just assumed that unless he was physically interacting with mr robot he wasn't actually doing it out loud or in a way that other people could see it was just happening in his head that's what i assumed but obviously we have no way of knowing they haven't confirmed it at least not yet um I keep losing my place on my notes. I'm so sorry. One sec. It was about Joanna looking for Tyrell and she was yes. talking about her their first date and how Tyrell would always do what is necessary. Oh God, that first date story was mad. Mm. <laughs> like, for, like for a first date, I mean, the, to me, that's a red flag on both sides. <laughs> that's only why they were drawn to each other. They're fucking crazy. Um, so for those who are, for whatever reason, listening to this, having never watched Mr. Robot and not intending on, on watching it either, um, Joanna tells this story of the first date that she had with Tyrell when they first met. And um, she they were sitting having dinner or whatever, and she looked over and saw this woman um, who had um, cubic zirconia earrings. So obviously not expensive, but cubic zirconia earrings on and she said she loved those earrings and Tyrell I think said to her you know I can get them for you or something and she said she wanted him to sleep with her and bring her those earrings back and the next day a gift a gift box turned up and the uh the cubic zirconia earrings were there and she was wearing those as she's telling the story to Elliot saying that they're the cheapest things that she owns um but that that's how she knew Tyrell would always do what was necessary and then give her a gift 
It's just, and I it's mean, insane. again, if you like it, I love it for you. But my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just that's it's just in insanity. Like they're really good at kind of like building characters that are just very good psychopaths. Yeah. But also, you kind of respect them at the same time. Honestly, I loved it. That little story, the way she told it, I was just like, "Wow, okay, cool, (laughs) (laughs) great, awesome." Um, um, But yeah, so that was the meeting between Joanna and Elliot. Lots of lovely little nuggets of of uh, stuff going on in that scene. So then uh, we cut away to the FBI. So they are at Susan Jacobs' house, who they don't realize is dead. because she is missing and someone matching Cisco's description was seen there by a neighbor when questioned. Um, So they keep referring to director Comey, as I mentioned earlier, James Comey was the FBI director until Trump fired him or replaced him in 2017. Um, If you were paying attention to the news, he had a big part to play in a lot of the uh, hearings on Russia, etc. So uh, Dom takes the sketch back to her boss and warns her boss that going to the media with this sketch will likely get Cisco killed by the Dark Army. Um, So back to Elliot, the phone that Joanna gave to Elliot rings while he's out shopping. So he's out shopping in a, is it like a department store or something? No, it's um, like a B&Q type store. To me, it was kind of of like that mixed with like a Curry's kind of thing. Hmm. Okay, so like a B and Q curries, and he's out shopping and talking to Mr. Robot, and the phone that Joanna gave him to hack rings, and then he hears heavy breathing. So, um, he asks us whether we heard it too, and uh, then all of a sudden Mr. Robot disappears for whatever reason. So he later takes, um, he later sort of fakes a police fax thingy to ping the location of the block's number. He finally gets this location, but Joanna's driver says there's no way that Kyrell would be calling from that house. Dun dun dun! I fucking love the scene that comes up because of this. But that's the next episode. So, <laughs> um, did you know what that was? By the way, did you know where that was? Did you have a feeling about where that house could be or who? Could um. Be? I didn't at all. Like I kind of didn't really see it coming. I was, I, I, and this this speaker, someone who's just like, like I said, I keep saying, I've seen most of it. I've just forgotten like certain details of things. Yeah. But like that, that bit, I'd kind of, that had slipped my mind about this whole mystery. Like I forgot about the whole subplot with this phone. Um, but like, I, I don't know what I was expecting it to be. I don't know either, but I didn't see it coming. And I'm glad mm. that you said that because I've been feeling very stupid with the whole not realising Elliot wasn't, wasn't living at his mum's. So I'm glad that it wasn't just me with that one. Something else as well, right? So obviously Santiago, that's um, Dom's boss. I, I wrote in down my notes that he's a handler because I think FBI people have like handlers or something. Um, but he's obviously he's not listening to her when she says about putting out the bolo for Cisco mm-hmm. because it'll try a dark army. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's something up with him? Cause he's, he's had some weird in, in this episode in the previous one, he's had some weird moments. Mm, 
I don't know. I maybe. I think it's more that he's just under a lot of pressure because he's mm. senior, and the FBI is really going through it, um, perception-wise, like in the media with this leak coming out, with the terrorist attack in China. You know, getting a bunch of them getting killed. With you know the money that's coming from China, which we'll discuss mm. in a bit. I think there's just a lot, and I feel like when you're when you're a senior in a senior position or a senior level you're more under pressure to rein the field agents in if that makes sense and i think he's just trying to be like look i know that this is off but we can't keep following this through like we have to i feel like someone's telling him is the short answer Hmm. i feel like someone's giving him this direction telling him that he needs to do certain things at certain times and to hold back in other times yeah I don't think he's the one that's being nefarious. I think he's taking orders personally. So he's kind of, he's like under their thumb a bit kind of thing. Yeah, I, I genuinely believe he's under, I think that will probably come into a play next season based on how this season ended. Um, I think he's under the thumb hmm. with whoever his boss is. Um, okay, so dom and darlene take an old associate of darlene's i don't remember seeing him do you remember this guy the guy with one leg um right so this is where i got confused with right so i think in the recap bit they show him briefly he's one of the people that did the like that washington thing with the bull's testicles through the ceiling of the capitol hill because they only refer to it as the dc incident okay so I like I got really confused what they were who this guy was that they were talking about, but he was one of the F Society people that was in the um, the house when they first got it. Okay. Off of oh. Susan Jacobs, he yeah, was one of those, and she assigned she assigned him to do something. I can't, I can't remember exactly what she assigned him to do. She put him in charge of doing something. Um, but yeah, he was one of the people who did that thing with the bulls bulls. All right, well, he's um, really badly beaten. He's really just been through the ringer. And um, wait, why have I put Dom? It's not Dom, it's Cisco. I was going to say, actually, yeah. Why, why have I put Dom? <laughs> I've just read that back and thought, Dom was definitely not there. Not yet. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about that. Cisco and Darlene take an older associate of Darlene's to the hospital because he is just completely fucked up and uh, it was against what um what darlene wanted to do darlene was like no hospitals or whatever but cisco was like look at him kind of thing we need to take him there so while while they're there while they're at the hospital dom and her team are in cisco's apartment and they start going through it so they've this bolo thing has helped and they've clearly had some kind of tip and they're now at um cisco's apartment so it's a good thing they did take him to the bloody hospital um while at the hospital one of the staff i believe she's a nurse um sees the image on the tv of cisco the sketch of cisco it looks uncannily like him and calls in the fbi so cisco and darlene have gone to the diner at this point because they were told to come back in an hour um because the guy that they take to the hospital was getting treatment and um, they'd be able to see him in about an hour. So they're at a diner nearby, a few blocks away, and the FBI arrive at the hospital, 
um, trying to get clues, looking at surveillance, trying to see who Cisco was with. They realize it was Darlene. They don't know if, it, like, they don't call her by name. They just know what she looks like. And Dom kind of figures out that they don't know that Cisco's image, sketch image, is all over the news. They don't know that they're blown. They have to be nearby because they should still be expecting to come to the hospital within the hour. Um, I can see why you said that thing about uh, Dom's boss now, because in that moment, Dom's boss was very much like, oh, they're long gone now. They've, they've, they've you know, disappeared by now, surely. Mm. And that's just popped into my head as I was saying that. Uh, I don't know if you remember that bit, but before Dom realises that it was a different screen that the nurse saw the news on, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. Because they're in the visit, they're in the waiting room, the visitors area, and the screen on there was showing something different, which is why Darlene and Dom don't even, uh, Darlene and Cisco, sorry, don't even know that Cisco's on the telly. Yeah, because it was the nurse who comes on her shift at a certain time, changes that the news when she goes in. Yes, exactly. And it was in a different area to where they were. They'd already gone or, or they were there, but they didn't see it. Um, Dom's boss is like, oh, they, you know, they must be long gone by now. They won't be coming back. And then Dom realizes they couldn't have seen the news. I don't know. That's just popped into my head as you said that. But um, yeah, that's how we leave the hospital stuff. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to talk about with that scene before I move on. Um not just just basically like this whole series of events like this last 10 minutes of this episode are f- just phenomenal yes absolutely incredible like it it just like the switching between each storyline cuz obviously that can get a bit i find that with some shows when obviously you're like deep into like one part of a story and then it switches to like a different character story um like this they like each part that you're watching is extremely like gripping Yes, very. It's like you're switching between Andrew and Elliot, switching between Dom trying to find Darlene and Cisco. Mm. No, it was beautifully executed. Those are the last two scenes. So after this, those are literally the last two scenes, but it doesn't feel like two scenes. It feels like so Mm. much happened. So the first scene after this is uh, Elliot and Angela meeting on a train on the subway. And Angela asks why he started F Society. She tells him that they can't beat them, them being E-Corp, and that they will always lose to them no matter what they do. Angela plans to turn herself in for the CD thing, and uh, Elliot kisses her before he gets off the train and leaves her on it. So he leaves, she's now on the train, she looks over, these two people whose faces we can't see yet walk up to Angela. Um, so then the final scene of episode 10 is Dom walking around looking for um, Cisco and Darlene. So she's walking through all these different blocks, trying to find the nearest food places, trying to figure out where they could be. She asks some guy, uh, some woman shutting a, a store, you know, whether she's seen this couple around, one with dark hair, blah, blah, blah. Um, then she comes across the diner about five blocks away. And there they are, Darlene and Cisco sat in the window. She can see them. She calls for backup, goes into the diner, the camera. So us, we stay outside at quite a fair distance. So we can literally only see um, um, Dom standing, talking to Darlene and Cisco. Then we see on the side of the diner, a motorbike appearing with two people on it. The actual motors like motorbike uh, driver what do you call it <laughs> the person operating the bike and the person behind the person behind gets off as the uh, bike stops 
and they have a gun and it's fucking an automatic weapon they shoot a bunch of times into the diner smashing the window we see everyone drop including dom and then all of a sudden we see dom pop up with a gun shoot the gunman as he's walking away i believe in the leg or something the gunman drops the police arrive in that moment so a bunch of police cars show up the gunman shoots himself in the head and the other motorcyclist uh, drives off like shoots off and dom comes running outside waving her badge in the air for the police to see and she is covered in blood and that is how the episode ends thoughts <laughs> i mean the, like, like i said the last 10 minutes of this of this episode are amazing like this is probably of the whole show this is like one of the best episodes like oh. they've done like this is like even knowing like how that bit is going like it's still just so suspenseful like just all the different reveals like the elliot and angela scene even though An- like angela kind of i find the last couple of episodes she finds her character a little bit mm-hmm because she actually has a path in a way, kind of now. She's yeah. not just flitting between whatever they need her to be. So like that scene of her and Elliot together, like any scene where she's like actually interacts with some of the other cast is great. Like I don't like it when she's off doing her own thing. Cause I I I like find that her interactions with like Elliot are always great scenes. It's like that. And like the the, the kiss before they like separate on the train and everything, and it's like it's just a very out of character kind of Elliot moment that is, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is great to see. Like he's kind of like he he has these moments where he comes out of his shell a little bit. Yeah, I love those moments. Mm. But then, like then seeing more of how like brutal the Dark Army is, where like they just shoot up the whole restaurant. It doesn't it doesn't matter like about getting because obviously they're after Cisco. It doesn't matter about getting him. Yeah, they, they just this collateral damage. They just shoot everyone. But then as soon as he gets shot in the leg the driver leaves mm-hmm. like that's another part of it where like the the, the guy on the bike is like okay cool he's gone done yeah i Do- got doesn't that help him around. just just gone just abs just straight away yeah he literally drove he drove off before he shot himself in the head as soon as he saw he was shot and he dropped he left him um mm. because that's clearly the dark army way is that they will shoot themselves in the head they will not get taken in it happened before um when they were shooting in china at the fbi and mm. they killed a bunch of fbi people they just shot them themselves when they got shot they killed themselves um gripping final scene i mean i loved all of it like the whole episode is great but that final scene um mm. which is why i confused when that happened i literally just did that from memory i didn't know that <laughs> i literally just did it. it was so gripping um especially especially the point where dom goes into the diner and we don't go in with her. Did you notice the uh, um, the crosswalk countdown thing? Yes, on mm. the side of the diner, right? Yeah, where like it literally it's the obviously like it's the crosswalk countdown to how long before obviously cars can come past, yeah. and then like literally it counts down the whole time mm-hmm. he's walking to the restaurant. As soon as it hits zero, he just boom. Shut! Oh my god, it was just so beautifully done. Oh, the show! My god. Yeah, the direction was incredible. Incredible. Every part of that was brilliant. Um, Yeah, loved it. Should we move on to episode 11? Yes. Okay. Episode 11. Mr. Robot has been away from Elliot for a while. 
So uh, he tries this mantra to um, bring him back. And it's mind awake, body asleep, mind awake, body asleep. And he says it over and over again. And it's very soothing as I was watching that. <laughs> um, I was actually watching that last night. It was late as well. So I was like, mind awake. It's it's when the reverb bit kicks in that I quite like. Yeah. Like towards the end where it gets a bit, where it, well, so when it gets a bit lucid and it's more kind of um, unintelligible. Mm-hmm. I, like, I just love the audio design on that bit. Very soothing. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so, Angela, if you remember, those two people had turned up on the train after Elliot got off. Now, we did have, so you know how they do previously on? So we did have in the recap the point where Dom was in um, Angela's flat and was saying, you know, I'm trying to be nice to you. I'm trying to bring you dinner or whatever. You know, other agents might not be as nice. They'll just, you know, take you to some kind of black site or something. So they made a point of putting that there to make us think that it was the FBI that were taking Angela. I don't know hmm. if you noticed that, but that's what what it makes you think. It makes you we think could, Yeah, we kind of got trolled by like the recap thing. We absolutely did. Game Game of Thrones did a similar thing. You know, you well, obviously you've watched through Game of Thrones, but like mm-hmm. it's um the end of season five where the whole thing with John getting, you know, shanked up happens. What was the where, recap that we got So to- in the recap, they make a point of showing a scene with Ben Jen Stark. Just because at the very end they trick him to go outside by going, Oh, Ben Jen's here, he's just arrived. Just so you remember who Ben Jen is, and he's not even in the actual episode. They oh, just say that to that. trick him. So like you kind of think, Oh, why are they men- why are they mention this? Oh, Ben Jen's here. It's like, oh, he's gonna turn up. Like, nope, dead. <laughs> oh, I didn't remember that. But yeah, that sounds like something Game of Thrones would do. God, that show plays with people's emotions. Jeez. <laughs> um, certainly mine anyway. Um, so Angela's taken in a van to an unknown place by the two people from the last episode and she ends up at this random house uh, and gets taken into this weird room with an old computer and a big fish tank a young girl wearing a suit and actually really looks like a young Angela for a minute there I was thinking is this mm-hmm. is, is, is she dreaming is she in some kind of weird delusion like Elliot what's happening here um, so this young girl comes out and uh, she starts asking these really weird questions and recording Angela's answers on the old computer. Um, Angela initially refuses to respond, um, but the girl tells Angela that if she refuses to answer, they will beat her and shows her all these really horrible looking scars on her back. We, um, We break there because I don't want to ruin that bit. Let's go with the flow of the episode. Um, The $2 trillion bailout from China is pretty much guaranteeing that the shooting and the Dark Army won't be investigated properly, much to Dom's chagrin. So Dom's in the hospital, still kind of covered in blood and that, having a bit of a debrief. And um, yeah, her boss is just not... (laughs) Her boss isn't even trying to hide it at this point. He's just like, look, it's two trillion dollars, man. What do you what do you want us to do? We're not we're not investigating this. Um yeah, she's not happy. She's really not happy about it. In uh, other parts of Cuckoo Land, uh Philip wants to make eCoin equal a dollar, because that's not terrifying. He wants to start a loan program with eCoin, the cryptocurrency, but he wants the cryptocurrency to be worth regular currency which basically means he wants to own 
currency and the only functional currency in the country. Oh, <laughs> uh, honestly, there's 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 nothing that he won't try. There's he, he, you gotta respect he, it. You have to, like you you actually have to. It's maniacal and terrifying, but you have to. It's incredible. You have to respect it. The goal that he has. I don't know anyone that has the goal that this kind of person does. Do you know what I mean? Like that would just be like, yeah, of course, but it will help you if I start my own currency. What? <laughs> like, huh? It's it's like he's not even he's not even trying to like sugarcoat it. He's just like, yeah. no, just give give me this. I just want to be more powerful than you. Like, give me it, the it's power it's the same with like the federal like Santiago. There's <laughs> like no hide no hiding the true intentions at all. No, he's not even trying. Like no one's even trying anymore. Everyone's got to the point where they're like, "I'm not even gonna try and hide my hand anymore," um, which I kind of appreciate, if I'm honest. Mm. So back to Angela. The little girl leaves the room, and uh, White Rose comes into the room. So this is the point where I said to you, the things that you were saying before and made clear for me make a lot more sense now, because if the plant is the Washington Township. And Angela going to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is to do with her getting justice for the Washington Township in her own way. Then it makes a lot of sense why White Rose has this conversation with Angela. So, first of all, White Rose confirms that the scars that Angela saw on the little girl's back were makeup and a test for empathy. Let's start there. Why do they need to test Angela for empathy? What the fuck? I'm not that's a good point actually because like part of me was part of me was whether or not that was even true or it was just being like oh yeah no we we didn't actually hurt her you can trust us hmm. like it, that's but then I guess it's to like kind of figure out her true character because obviously they don't know her as much as we do in the scene they just like they just are kind of observing observing her really all the, all they know about her is that she held them out with the Ollie CD thing. Well, White Rose does go on to say that Angela should have been dead 90 days ago. Um, she refers to Angela as an annoying penny that just keeps turning up and wants to know why she's so special to Philip Price. Maybe the, the test for empathy is to figure out how much like Philip Price she is because she's mm. so special to Philip Price. Because obviously if she doesn't have empathy, then she's exactly like Philip Price. But she did have empathy. Look, I don't know what you want, but I'll give you the jump drive. Please just let me go. Fear. How easy a quicksand of time people let that become. We both know that you could keep finding the plant's data. Like that penny that keeps turning up your silly need for justice. Revenge will rear its ugly head and encourage you to keep trying and eventually find a way to shut down my project. I don't want your proof. I want your belief. Belief in what? Oh, what I would try to line up is, when she says she should have been dead 90 days ago, mm-hmm. is what significant thing happened to Angela within the time frame of 90 days? 
because we know that Elliot has been out of pri- was in prison for about 86 Yeah, I don't know how much time has passed between him getting out and everything, but I, I'm trying to recall if something specific happened that we might have seen that w- would have led to her being like, oh yeah, no, you should have, you should have died 90 days ago. If she, if she means that, like, is there a specific event or is she saying like, you, yeah, you shouldn't even be investigating this anymore like we should have killed you 90 days ago but we chose not to well correct me if i'm wrong 90 days ago from this point would have been it would have been after the hack yeah because the because elliot went to jail after the hack yeah and there was like the three week gap between the hack no, two days, three days between the hack and everything, wasn't there? No mind. I thought it was like two weeks he was like Tyrell was missing for whatever. So the only thing I can think of, right? Because when Angela got the job with E Corp and then she she was tasked with that guy that killed himself live on air, right? Mm. Um Do you think maybe he was um like in like a dark like because I don't know if they ever really went into why he did that exactly. I don't know if it was like a, a stress thing with the situation. But do you think it was maybe absolutely a stress thing? Because he was yeah. the one that was tasked with telling everyone that everything will be fine. Yeah, that was part of his um, his lines. I believe. Yeah, but part of their hope was that he'd actually like attack everyone else. Like maybe they like Dark Army provided him with the gun. Honestly, it's all possible, isn't it? Mm. Um, I mean, yeah. In the only, that's the only thing I can think of. So, in that ninety ninety days ago, is when she is in my head. Ninety days ago would be the moment that she just was getting close to Philip Price, because mm. it would have been after the guy killed himself live on air. It would have been. Because there was that shift, wasn't there? I'm trying to remember the order of things. That's what's stumping me a little bit. But she, there was that shift in her getting the job, kind of being like Philip Price being kind of fascinated with her. But he took he yeah because it was okay. So it was after after uh, the guy killed himself, right? He then had that conversation with her outside in the lobby where he mm. had no empathy, and then he was telling her to clean herself up and get a new pair of shoes. I remember that scene because then she went and got the shoes and the guy was judging her. And then shortly after that, Philip had to, Philip was about to go give that, you know, nice speech or whatever about the guy that, I can't remember his name, James something, about the guy that died. But before that was talking all the shit to Angela about him, calling him all types of weak and Mm. all of this stuff. So that, I mean, if that was 90 days ago, that's the moment that Angela got close with Philip Price. Why White Rose picks that moment that she should have been dead, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know if, it's just, I don't imagine them having like dialogue that doesn't have a purpose. Oh, it absolutely will mean something. I think we've either missed it, which I don't think is the case if both of us have missed it, or it's going to be made clear. I'm sure, it will be made clear. I'm sure it will be. Hmm. I'm sure it will mean something. That is not the last time those two are meeting. Absolutely not. 
Um, yeah, so that scene was cool. That scene was very cool and makes a lot of sense knowing now and understanding now what I understand about the plant. Um, Another thing about that scene real quick as well. I like that it was done as like an old text adventure. What, what do you mean? Like um like a computer like a computer text adventure where literally you have to like type your responses in. Like oh. the quiz the little girl was giving her. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it was unusual detail. It was a weird way of doing it. But like I really liked that aspect of it. I didn't get the relevance of it, if I'm honest. I don't I don't understand why they even did it like that i i don't either but i i quite like that they they made it look more interesting like it it's it didn't have a like a narrative reason i suppose but it was something that it 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 added something well um if you remember at the start of the episode elliot was doing the mind awake body asleep chanting and uh, went to sleep mr robot comes back as elliot awakes but elliot is now the silent observer mr robot cracks a code which leads to the phone number and mr robot or to a phone number sorry and mr robot calls the number and is told to meet at 28th and 5th elliot um, is trying to follow mr robot to try and get to this place and gets in a random cab and Tyrell gets in the cab with him. They get kicked out of the cab because Elliot's completely freaking out and trying to get the driver to confirm whether Tyrell was real or not. So <laughs> like, can you see him? Can you see him? Can you hear him? He's like freaking out. Anyway, they get kicked out of the cab and once outside, Tyrell says that the Dark Army told him that stage two is ready. And as they walk together, he tells Elliot that this will be the start of a beautiful friendship followed by a maniacal laugh. And that is how episode 11 ends. Thoughts, Nathan? So obviously we don't know. It's been a bit of a cliffhanger, obviously, with uh, Cisco and Darlene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that definitely one of them is dead. Yeah. But I I didn't have any kind of lingering thoughts during this one being like, where are they? Where are they? Because I was focused on everything else that was happening. Mm-hmm. They did um, it again, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I quite liked, uh, we got some more kind of detail on, not detail on White Rose, but we learned a bit more about White Rose's kind of, did we really learn anything about White Rose, really? We got more time with White Rose, basically. Which is always good. <laughs> we didn't yeah. learn anything about her. <laughs> which is always good. It's always, it's always guaranteed to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, we learned a bit more about Dom with her having a conversation with her Alexa. You can kind of see that she's she's got some form of like depression of some kind going on mm-hmm. with her. Um, you see more of kind of like Price's motivations with wanting to be like the most powerful man in the room to the point where he's controlling the money in the U S mm-hmm. um, much more powerful than that. Does it? But after, after the previous episode, this feels like it's more setting up the finale. Oh, Yes. Absolutely. Which isn't a bad thing, you know, but that's what a penultimate episode is for. Mm. But you've obviously, you've got to build on the cliffhanger from episode 10. So episode episode 11 feels like it was written to fill a gap in between 12 where everything kind of comes together more. Yes. Like there were some last minute kind of plot strings I needed to kind of figure out. 
Should we talk about it then? Should we just do it? Yeah. Episode 12. Oh, Get my God. In. What a masterful piece of television. My goodness. Okay. I took a lot more notes for this one. So <laughs> I tried. I tried to do summaries. I couldn't. I, I literally did go scene by scene. Um, I, did. I did as well. I, I actually took notes as I was watching this time. And I've got a lot more, a lot of respect for you be doing it every episode because <laughs> it was really hard. It's hard, isn't it? Um, but no, it was worth it for episode 12, man. Oh, my God. Definitely not a summary. Brace yourselves if you're listening still at this point um, because we're, we're going in. We're, we're dissecting episode 12. So we're taken back to the moment that we had seen Tyrell and Mr. Robot talking in the car in season one. Uh, where Tyrell wanted to be let in on the plan initially. So this was before the hack, if you remember. Um, We actually get to see the rest of the conversation play out this time, but uh, this time it's Elliot speaking and not Mr. Robots. We see the rest of what happened in the car um, on that day. I really liked that scene. I don't mean to break, but I really liked that scene because when Elliot was speaking, Elliot was speaking in the way Mr. Robot speaks, which I liked. Did you notice that or enjoy that or appreciate that? I I quite I quite like that he because it shows that he definitely acts a different way. Like it's noticeable. Because you can see Darlene always knows when he's being Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. She can figure that out. And part of me was thinking, is that just kind of like a sisterly thing? You know, is that just something that kind of like you can always pick up on when your siblings are feeling a bit off? Mm-hmm. And like it was it was it was quite good to see him act in that way. And he was doing a good, like Rami Malek was doing a really good job God, of doing. like portraying like Christian Slater's portrayal. Like he, he had it, he had the mannerisms and kind of that, that inflection down really well. He really did. But without it, but without seeming like a parody. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And he was so sure of himself as he was speaking. Mm. Every every word, everything was so it was said so confidently. It was really good to what like it was nice to see him like that actually. And Rami Malik, of course, did a great job. Um, okay, back to present day. Elliot and Tyrell go to some weird abandoned building as Elliot tells us that he wonders if what we perceive isn't the real world at all, just our mind's best guess, and that all we really have is a garbled reality, a fuzzy picture we will never make out. That shit blew my mind. I'm not even going to lie. I'm sure it was supposed to, but I was just like, oh my God, I can't. This is too much to think about right now. <laughs> um, all right. So we find out that Darlene is in fact alive. She is now being questioned by Dom and her boss and invokes the Fifth Amendment over and over and over again in this interrogation room. Uh, the Fifth Amendment is the right to um, not incriminate yourself, just for those of you wondering. So uh, Dom's boss talks about the Patriot Act and basically how it means that if you are a suspect of terrorism in any way, you get no rights in the United States. Dom asks her boss to step out and tries to connect with Darlene, saying that they will be the best of friends. Oh my god, this scene was amazing. The location, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> the, location, <laughs> the location the phone Elliot found was in turns out to be Scott Knowles's house. It was in fact Scott Knowles that was sending the gifts and making the phone calls to Joanna. Scott is a drunken mess as Joanna arrives and he doesn't understand how he could gain and lose everything in one fell swoop. 
He wanted Joanna to feel how he felt. That's what he told her. He wanted to give her hope that he could then step on. She kind of goes up to him and touches his face, looking like she's about to have empathy for him because he's crying, you know, about his dead wife and everything and how she was pregnant. And, you know, it's all very sad. She kind of puts her hand on his face and then calls him a pussy and says that his whole wife is rotting in hell with her fetus among a bunch of like <laughs> so much wild shit i was just like ah, oh my god like that's not the moment you need to be you shouldn't say those things at all but in that moment bloody hell joanna um power move isn't it it's just a power move straight straight up i mean the way she said it was so <laughs> venomous like oh my god it's fantastic um Scott almost strangles her to death and uh, punches her over and over in the face, breaks skin and everything, um, really messing her up until he kind of gets a grip of himself and calls 911. Uh, we cut back to the interrogation room in the FBI and Darlene is holding strong with Dom, but Dom comes back with a bunch of evidence that could tie Darlene to F Society, including a bullet casing that was found at the arcade which could be, I mean, we know that it is, but it could be tied to the gun that the rich guy that Darlene was sleeping with last season said that she stole from his hotel safe when he was questioned by the FBI. I had completely forgotten about him. <laughs> I think they I briefly that. interviewed him last episode, like super brief to the point where I forgot who he was. Mm-hmm. It literally, he just kind of pops up in like, I don't remember this dude at all. Like, who is this? What is this? Um, because like he he only like it's another thing of them setting up from like previous seasons, like closing like little plot things. Because mm. he literally only turns up in that one scene for Darlene to get a gun. Yes, and we did see it in the we saw him in the recap, didn't we? Mm. This one where he where they were standing outside together on the balcony, and he talks about how he makes money because other people are stupid or something. Mm. Very like that. Um, yeah, so we of course know that bullet casing could tie the whole thing together because there was in fact a shot that was fired at the arcade. We just know now that Tyrell wasn't shot, or at least we think we know. God knows what we know at this point. Um, stage two of the plan is becoming clearer. Uh, we're back with Elliot and Tyrell in this abandoned building, and they're basically going to blow up the building next door or opposite which is where ECOP's paper records are being kept, including a bunch of titles and deeds. Um, this is what's keeping ECOP afloat after the hack. And everything happening is according to the plan. So we realise that all of these like random blackouts that are going on are helping the malware infect more of their systems. They kept saying USPs, but I don't know what that means. In um, uninterruptible power supply or something like that it's basically um it's yes okay something like that i think they're called usp i'm not entirely certain but i know it's just basically it's like a thing that is plugged into the mains um you plug your computer into that if the power goes out that will power your computer for like a period of time so it's like it's like um like like a a generator but for computer yeah yeah but like a kind of a small thing so like a lot of businesses use it for like kind of like in the events of blackouts and things where they have to keep the servers on it just means they can kind of get some sort of thing in place before it's all shut down okay okay so all right so they've got malware infecting that and everything's working in their favor basically and so that's that stage two of the plan is to blow up the paper records so you can really affect ecorp and really take them down 
back to you said Joanna's boy toy was called what? Derek? Eric. Eric. Okay, so Eric. Joanna, Derek. Derek. Yeah. Okay. Joanna is at Derek's place uh, with her completely fucked up half face where um, Scott had punched the absolute shit out of her for no reason. Well, for terrible reasons. I mean, he, he was slightly justified. I mean, slightly. yeah, I said no reason and heard it. I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, there was a reason. <laughs> there was a reason. Um, so yeah, Joanna's at Derek's place and it turns out that Joanna and Derek had actually met at that e-court party to celebrate Scott's um, naming as CEO where um, Tyrell killed Scott's wife. Um, Derek was a bartender there and she's wanting him now to help frame Scott for his own wife's murder by going to the police and saying that he saw Scott coming down from the back stairwell dishevelled um me recapping this is going to do absolutely no justice to joanna's incredible manipulation tactics there um honestly if i was a sociopath she would who she would be who i want to be when i grow up because (laughs) wow it was beautiful it was just perfect she did the whole damsel in distress she got him freaked out first and he was willing to do anything for her and then he's she's like trying to make it seem like it's, it's nothing kind of yeah, it's very f- femme fatale oh my like it's God. like like a noir femme fatale because the, de- the detail i liked in that was that she tried to play it quite coy mm-hmm. about like well you know that that night you saw him come down the stairs and he He's just not getting it. He's not. He doesn't. So then get she it just until... has to switch it and be like, "Listen, this is what you're going to say mm-hmm. because you want to protect me, don't you?" Mm-hmm. Oh, it was it's honestly. Like, oh. If you're like somebody who likes manipulating mm-hmm. people, she's a great source of how to do it. <laughs> she's just like, I mean, this is just not my bag, but I can respect it. <laughs> I really can respect it. Honestly, I love. But then. I, you know, a lot of stuff that I've watched in, in life in general, a lot of the movies I like, a lot of the characters that I love, a lot of the villains that I love are very much like a Joanna. They're, you know, a, a very sort of insane, but calm. And I just like calmness like that with that evilness. <laughs> she's so calm and so just like super feminine and just like, but I wouldn't melt and just but she's evil and it's mm. so great to watch oh my god it's she's amazing. she's methodical in everything she does that's the thing like there's never a there's never a moment where she's not in on some sort of plan yeah absolutely everything was a plan and then at that point it made me think she did that shit on purpose mm. she must because she knew where she was going before she went obviously as soon as she found out the address she must have gone there with the purpose of riling him up for him to do something that she could then go back to Derek's place, be all like, oh, look at me, help me, and then frame Scott. And that gets Tyrell out of trouble when it helps her family. Because remember, we said this when we recorded this last week, she will do anything to protect her family, including getting herself beaten up and almost killed. It's quite honourable in a way. I mean, like I said, yeah, kind of a spy to be her <laughs> when I grow up. <laughs> just less evil but just you know that determination is what i would like let's say that that's what i aspire to have um all right back at the fbi dom switches tactics um she takes darlene 
to show her the investigation, everything that they have, their board of suspects, their strategy, everything. Dom says that Romero's death was a freak accident and it was actually a stray bullet from a neighbor and not the Dark Army. Which, wow, because um, that kicked off a lot of the shit that made mm. them all panic. So if that's actually true, what she's telling um, Darlene, that's pretty amazing. On the board that um, she's showing Darlene, Elliot and Tyrell are in the middle as the masterminds. We're going to take a quick break there. What did you think? So I I really loved that scene where it's just that kind of slow walk towards the room. I think she was telling the truth about about the the stray bullet thing. I don't think there'd be a reason. I mean, easily the Dark Army could kind of hide it and be like, oh yeah, it was like they 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 could probably fake that quite easily. But I think she was being full cards on the table. Like I think she wanted a moment to brag. Yeah, and I thought it was like how they how they did it. I thought it was like masterful how they actually reveal the how they done the investigation was like yeah so we knew that he wasn't actually murdered we just played you all like we 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 suspected this and then you guys did exactly what we thought you'd do mm-hmm. and, it, and it was great but like with you saying about tyrell and elliot in the center i think tyrell is fully in the center elliot is just like the next accomplice to him well he's below him I think he's in the center of the board, though, because all the arrows then connect up to him at the very end of it. There's no arrows going from him. I think he, I think he's the centerpiece because they focus on him last. Like they show Elliot, then they show the connection to Tyrell. No, they show Tyrell Ty- first and then pan down to Elliot. So Tyrell is dead in the middle, and all of the arrows are coming to and from Tyrell, and how these connections all land there. But Elliot is, if I remember correctly, Elliot is just underneath. Tyrell on the board so he's still in the middle as well but the connections come to him so the connection with Darlene and Angela all that go to Elliot that's very sure I can can barely remember it now I just remember like the close-up on Elliot's eyes for some reason that's that's the one that sticks with me so like they got obviously I think Ollie was on there as well they've they've yeah they've connected it well I just know that they definitely think Tyrell was responsible for five nine at least. Like they, I think that's what they've got him written down as. I do think that they do think he's the main person, mm. but I'm I'm I've definitely made a mental note that Elliot was in the middle too. Like he was there too, but he was just underneath, underneath the Tyrell, which is I, I think I think that. I'm with you. I think that everything that Dom is saying and showing Darlene is the truth at this point to do the investigation. But I do also believe that... I think that she knows, Dom, I mean, knows that Elliot is at least one of the people behind this, right? Yeah. And... But decided to show... Say that again. Like they even had Lloyd from uh, All Safe on there for some reason as well. Yeah, they did. They had everyone on that board. It was amazing. Mm. Um, but they want they. How do I phrase this now? I feel like Dom wanted Darlene to see the board like that because it does make it look like they just want Tyrell. Because if it made it look like they want Tyrell and Elliot, even though they were both in the middle, there's no way Darlene would help them. She mm. ultimately she wants Darlene to help them. So oh, I feel yeah, of like, course, yeah. 
Do you know what I mean? I don't. I don't even know if I'm. It's going to go, it's gonna be a case of um, like if you if you tell us what's going on, your brother will be protected. Yeah, like he's like, still in the middle, but they don't want. It's like she's yeah. trying to make it seem like they don't want him, but he's yeah. he's in the middle enough that help us so that we can get him out of this. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, yeah, a, yeah, okay, yeah. like an investigator's trick kind of thing. I watch yeah. a lot of detective shows. <laughs> um, all right, back at the abandoned building, Elliot wants to stop. Um, Elliot wants to stop whatever is going on. There's something that they're going to do on the computer and it will set off the hydrogen stuff and words and shit and then bomb. Um, uh, so Elliot wants to put a stop to this. Tyrell pulls a gun on him. Now, this is the gun that was in the popcorn machine, the gun that Darlene took from that rich guy. Um, Elliot thinks it's another one of Mr. Robot's tricks. He's convinced it's another one of Mr. Robot's mind tricks and that Tyrell himself is really not real. What the fuck are you talking about? We are definitely not the same. Back away from the computer. This is just another of Mr. Robot's mind tricks. No. Elliot? I don't want to shoot you, but I will. Elliot, listen to him. He's not holding a gun. He's not even there. Elliot, you need to listen to him and step away from the computer. Touch that keyboard and I will shoot you. No. Elliot forges on to go and stop whatever he's going to stop at the computer and Tyrell shoots him saying that Elliot gave him that gun and told him to shoot anyone that tried to stop this. As Elliot lies on the ground bleeding, Mr. Robot is short-circuiting and says he couldn't let anyone stop this, not even him. That scene was horrible. I didn't like it. Very <laughs> <laughs> <It made me> sad. <laughs> So I love that scene just from like Tyrell's confusion because mm-hmm. obviously we we only see this thing from Elliot's perspective, but obviously we get the kind of inklings of when when things Mr. Robot has done, but like we don't fully know exactly what's going on, but we start to realise that like for a second, like not for a second did I think that Tyrell wasn't real in that scene. Not in that scene. Like it's just it's just the way he's like, how do you not remember your plan? Like, how do you not remember this? Mm-hmm. And it's like Mr. Robot kind of protecting, trying to protect Elliot, but that could have just been for his own gain. So, you know, as soon as Elliot's gone, he's gone. Yeah. So, like, but like, I, I just love that detail of how confused Tyrell is because it was Elliot's plan 
to like on the outside to him that's who it was well while to us we're like no it was mr robot's plan yeah we know that it's two different people obviously Mm. anyone in the show is like what are you doing (laughs) like this was your plan oh god that scene is awful um I didn't like it. I did not enjoy it. But, you know, you can never trust everything, right? So we mm. see him on the floor, cruddling his, his um, sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, cradling? Cradling, Jesus. Cradling his stomach and there's blood all over his hands. So he's been shot in the stomach. But remember, it was very realistic when Mr. Robot shot him in the head. So I'm just going to put that out there. Um we cut away to the final scene. Well, there's a post credit scene, but to the final scene of the show, the final official scene of the show. And Angela is on the phone with Tyrell. I guess the Dark Army had filled her in. Um, she says that she is on her way and that Tyrell did what needed to be done. She said she'll be there when he wakes up. I'm assuming he's talking, but she's talking about Elliot. Mm. Uh, Tyrell cries on the phone and says that he loves him. And she says she does too. She also says she wants to be the first person he sees when she wakes up. Like that, like again, there's some meth, there's some method to it. Like she in her head, she's like, he's been shot, he'll survive, but I need to be the first person he sees. Cause I want otherwise this plan won't go to won't go to plan. Mm. Like there's always a plan with the dark army. There's always something and yeah, she's really well into it now because mm. there was a scene that I didn't mention where she went to her lawyer's house. And was like, don't call me again. Yeah, she's like um, fully in bed with White Rose now. She's completely in bed with White Rose. Whatever we didn't see has convinced her. Next question. Did you watch after the credits? Of course I did. The post Okay, then. Perfect. Yeah, that's why I said this is the, f- the final official scene. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, oh my God. Listen, I'm a Marvel fan. I never I never skimp out on credits. It's, it's when you're on Amazon Prime and it's like you've got 194 seconds till the next episode starts. You know something's up. Yeah. That's true. Um, no, I watch. I watch every everything that has yeah. credits. I watch because I, I'm a Marvel fan. I know that. I know that people will lie to me. I need to see everything. I, know, I made that mistake when like One uh, Division started adding in the uh, after credit scenes, but like they didn't do them for every episode. Yeah, they didn't do them initially, did they? You just got to watch till the end. Just every time, yeah. no matter what it is, even if you're doing something else, just watch till the end. Until the screen goes black, it is not over. Um, All right, the post-credit scene, we are kind of flying in on a kind of drone camera thingy um, in a place called Fry's Electronics in the car park outside. Uh, We see two people and realise that it's Trenton and Mobley who are sitting outside chatting and uh, they clearly work there. They are going under different names now in a completely different town. And Tanya and Frederick. Now Tanya. Oh, I didn't realize his name was Frederick. Okay. So Trenton and Mobley become Tanya and Frederick. So Tanya (laughs) is trying to convince Frederick to look at what she's found that could undo everything. As they're in this midst of this conversation, someone comes up and says, excuse me, do you have the time? Camera pans and it is Leon. And that is the end of season two of Mr. Robot. What are your final thoughts, Nathan? So obviously in the first part of this, like I said earlier, I I kind of gave it a bit of grief for how slow it felt. Mm-hmm. But I, I fully, uh, for me, it's that whole Elliot being in prison, but he don't know it's prison seat, like storyline, I find kind of goes a bit slow. 
and then it picks up a lot once he's out of prison and it become like it, it becomes classic Mr. Robot. Like it's such a good season towards the end. I like these little weird things we're getting with Tyrell now where I was going to mention at the beginning, it seems very much, there was a conversation earlier with um, Mr. Robot and Elliot where they're in that church group meeting after everyone's left and Mr. Robot's talking as though he's like a cult leader. And I think that's kind of what's, I think that's kind of been some sort of foreshadowing for Tyrell because he seems like he's been very dragged into Mr. Robot's kind of gospel the same way Elliot was you know like Elliot listened to the like only kind of started talking interacting with Mr. Robot because he listened to the gospel of him when he was on that subway station at the beginning oh yes yeah which kind of goes along with the whole thing like I like saying he loves him at the end like Tyrell is essentially he sees Mr. Robot or in his eyes Elliot Mm -hmm. as like a god yeah Absolutely. He's completely bought into it, isn't he? He's sold completely. Mm. Um, I loved episode 12, man. Episode 12 was... Oh, my God. It gave me so much of what I didn't even realise I needed from this season. Um, It was just so densely packed with stuff. And it was every single Mm. scene was important and everything everything that was happening was key to the next thing and just kept tying in and tying in and tying in stuff. And it was just so much fun to watch it. It Mm. I really, really had a great time watching this episode, this whole season in general, obviously, but this episode particularly was fantastic. Um, Initially episode five was my favorite episode of the season so far when we last recorded this, but it's definitely now episode 12. This was a fantastic finale for me. Mm. And, um, I thought the writing was beautiful. The direction was incredible. The pacing was perfect. The storyline was just, I I just wanted more. As soon as it ended, I was debating on just starting season three, even though we're not talking about season three yet. (laughs) I didn't watch it now, but oh my God, I wanted to so bad. Um, Yeah, it was great. And I I can't wait to see what they do with it in season three. I can't wait to see where they take the story. Can't wait to see what's going to happen with Dom and Darlene. I want to know what that partnership is going to look like. I'm so, so curious about what's going to happen with the Dark Army and Angela. I kind of like Angela again now, which is good. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I want to see if Elliot's actually been shot. And if he has been shot, what's going to happen with him? He's definitely unconscious, (laughs) whether he's been shot or not. He's definitely down because it's about him waking up and whatever. So Mm. I want to see what actually happened. I want to see what's going to happen. I'm just, I just want to know. I just want to have one answers now, (laughs) Mm. which is a mark of a great finale. Yeah, it's like I said, season two, I think is generally agreed to be one of the, like the weaker season of the whole thing. And even that like picked up so massively in the second half that, it's it's kind of only really up from here like season three and season four from what i remember are absolutely a masterful just writing and television like it for me this series um i'd say between episode 10 and 12 are like my favorite ones like 10 just had the perfect suspense the entire way through mm-hmm. like you've got this foreboding feeling of something's something's coming like something's like something bad is going to be happening soon. And then like, it's, it's, there's not a single wasted scene. That's what I really enjoy. Yeah. Like not, there's not, there's not a scene where you think, well, I didn't really learn anything here. 
like even even like the um the flashback bit they do at the beginning like sometimes that could be kind of irrelevant it can be just a bit of character stuff mm-hmm. but like even this you kind of well i mean technically is character stuff but you kind of get more of an idea of where elliot's well not elliot where tyrell's head is at like in terms of how why he's doing this he's he's very much bought into what mr robot is selling yeah very much a disciple of mr a disciple of mr robot for Mm. sure for sure oh well i can't wait till season three and i can't wait to break it down thank you so much for doing this nathan no problem at all i I just love talking about this show and i wish more people watched it to be honest i know hopefully hopefully the odd Mm. person will listen to this and go you know what let me give this show a watch (laughs) you never know um all right well that's the end then is there anything you would like to promote before we go nathan um just just the usual just my instagram and my twitter so my twitter is nathers jones n-a-t-h-e-r-s-j-o-n-e-s and uh, i do graphic design on instagram as nayfunk n-a-y-f-u-n-k uh, so check those out if you want to my twitter is mostly shit posting and i forget to update my instagram all the time <laughs> selling yourself really well i love it um, honesty is the best policy <laughs> yes manage expectations and you'll be fine <laughs> um that that information will be in the description box as well listeners so please do give him a follow he is a fun time um thank you for listening if you enjoyed this if you enjoyed any other episodes then please do take a moment to go rate us as five stars on itunes please and help more people find it share and all of that good stuff if you care about what i tweet you can find me at linda is shaboopy um or follow the podcast at pod of mercy on twitter and instagram and you can um find out whenever there's a new episode out like this one is a bonus episode we usually put one out every other wednesday so um this will be three weeks in a row of episodes last week this week and there will be a regular regularly scheduled episode (laughs) next week um that's pretty much it from me just you know have a good day and stuff and thanks for listening bye